Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick. We are a weekly podcast of two friends and former journalists who talk about a new movie each week and we ask the hard-hitting questions. I'm Claire. And I'm Elizabeth. And this Hi. week we are joined. <laughs> My voice was so small there. Hi. <laughs> Hello. We, I'm a mouse. Yes, if you you've heard a third voice on the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our friend Danielle, who was our first guest Hi. on the pod. Oh my gosh, Hi. it's such an honor. This is so <laughs> exciting. I love that you guys started a new podcast, so I can be the first guest on this one. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very, I've yeah, it's such an honor. Um, very, very excited to talk about this movie. So yeah, when we were like, we need a guest on the pod, we knew like Danielle was gonna be <laughs> yes. probably the first. Obviously, one. I mean, yeah. We well, I'm all... also a former journalist, so yes, yes I was gonna yeah. say, and a podcaster. Yep. Yes, both of those things are correct. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm obviously going to be amazing at this, and this will be your yeah. best episode ever. Obviously. Yeah, we're we're all professionals, so yeah, you know, this is great. We know what we're doing. Okay, so before we get into our amazing movie that we have planned, Elizabeth, do you want to share your movie news update? Sure, I'm tipping us off a little bit. Um, a hint to like what the pick is, but if you're listening, you already know what it is, so it's fine. But I just wanted to fill you all in on an upcoming movie starring Austin Butler, who we'll be we'll be talking about. Yeah, uh, Jodie Comer and Tom Hardy uh, will soon begin filming in Cincinnati, which is in my neck of the woods. Uh, oh and per God. I know per Variety, it's called The Bike Riders, uh, based off of the 1967 Danny Lyon photography book the film tells an original story about a 60s midwestern motorcycle club as it evolves over the course of a decade from a community for outsiders into a far more sinister gang wow it's based off of a photo book yeah and i'm not i'm not really familiar with like with the photography that's wild i don't is this the only movie that has been created based off of a photo book like it has to be it has to be one of few um that's a that's a a good question um (laughs) And like I said, so it's filming in my neck of the woods. They're looking for extras. Um, You have to have a motorcycle license, but I was telling Danielle, (laughs) actors lie all the time on their resumes and say that they have these talents and then they like learn on set. So I figure I can do that. (laughs) They're also looking for men, but whatever. (laughs) I said, when you told told me that I was like this, I foresee this going well. (laughs) (laughs) Learning motorcycle skills on the fly. Yeah, this will be great. Totally going to work. Um, but super exciting, uh, for Cincinnati, which really has become like, um, I won't say go-to, but it's getting there, uh, for, for film. So also filmed in Cincinnati, Eyes of March, which, uh, starred Ryan Gosling, Carol, which starred Kate Blanchett, Bones and All, which, uh, starred Timothy Chalamet, and then right, going way back, uh, Rain Man, um, was filmed. Tells probably Timothy the- Chalamet was in Cincinnati. Yes. Yeah, I don't think the movie's come out yet. It's called Bones and All. Oh He's yeah. like my favorite. He's like my yeah. favorite next to Austin Butler. <laughs> I love both of them. Yeah. That's so great. Um, and I cannibal love story. I don't oh. know. I don't oh, know. no, no. I've heard of this. I'm yeah. sorry. Is this, the, is this? Oh, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> so is it a biopic of a certain actor? Oh, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, no, but they were in Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, weird yeah, yeah lots of overlap there I wonder if he like drew inspiration from his time with um oh god <laughs> army hammer yeah 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 so I mean that is the bones and all thing I just saw that a few days ago um there's like a tiktoker who talks about movies he was going through like all the um I think cans is that what's happening right now canes 
pain. So mm. wow, I have sorry. no clue. I had <laughs> no idea. I'm so uncultured, so I always thought it was cans, but <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Um, oh, the but... f- I was like, what is she talking about? The film festival? Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's 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 can or con. Con. Can. Con. Con. Can. We all have con. different responses. Canes. It's not canes. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was raising canes. I don't know, but um, yeah. So I I saw he said that it was really good. He said it was like on his like top list of most anticipated or like it, oh, cool. the reviewers had been giving it lots of good feedback. So I'm very excited to watch that. Well, filmed in Cincinnati. So there you go. Right. Yeah. And, so Cincinnati this, screams serial killer, you know, so. that's what it is. Actually, part of it is one, they have cannibal. a really good um, film incentive program um, mm. in Cincinnati. Um, and then they also have a lot of like old architecture that's often used to double old New York city. So that's oh. part, part of the, the appeal around here. Um, mm. anyway, so this is Austin Butler's, it could be his next film release post Elvis. Um, this along with Dune part two are listed as his next, um, uh, features on IMDb. So I'm Who assuming, is he in Dune? I have no idea. And I, I haven't watched yeah. the first one and I don't know I, if I ever will. It's good. I liked it. Okay. I don't even <laughs> like sci-fis and I, I don't like Star Wars, but I liked Dune. So I'll consider it. <laughs> and it has Timothy Chalamet, who is yeah. the it does. theme of our episode apparently yeah. today. Yeah. I wonder what his accent's going to be in this new movie, this motorcycle movie. Do you think it'll still be his Elvis accent? <laughs> like, That'd be will, great. Like, not it. give it up. Uh, I can't wait to see. Yeah. All right, neat. All right Claire, uh, what you got? Well, <laughs> in less uh, highbrow movie news, uh, if you all have you all well I know you have Elizabeth mm. but Danielle have you seen Morbius why would I see that movie <laughs> like I heard it was <laughs> okay. terrible right yeah okay wait <laughs> let me um I just want to say for the record so when we go can go back and listen to this episode years from now that Morbius <laughs> is like top two in the Netflix charts for most watched movie streaming right now yeah and what <laughs> what so I buzz. I only watched it because I was on a plane trying not to have an anxiety attack <laughs> mm-hmm. and I saw somebody in front of me watching yeah maybe not the pick but yeah so- <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if that that would work on me but yeah do you? um and I saw somebody in the row in front of me watching it and look Jerry Leto the eyes they're hard to turn away from and so I was like oh, okay I'll put that on and it it was it was so much worse than I could have even imagined and Matt Smith is in it who oh, I mean, yeah. I'm particularly obsessed with right now because he's yes. in House of the Dragon no spoilers um, please okay and he's Matt Smith is is he does his Matt Smith thing. Like he's great in it, but like, it's still, mm-hmm. it's such, it's so, so, so bad. I don't <laughs> I understand. Watch it. Cause it is so bad. I want to see how bad is it a it fun, is. bad it's watch. Like or is it like a, this is not fun to watch and it's bad. Uh, it was, I, yeah. I don't think it's a fun, bad watch. Mm, okay. It's a, <laughs> how is it possible that the people involved in this film made something so bad? <laughs> I think there's another podcast that, you know, goes over that. How did this get made? Right. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll I'll be bet. on that podcast. We'll talk about it on that podcast. Yeah. We only we talk should, about yeah. it. We should have Hi. them on. Don't don't tempt me to make yeah. us do it on our podcast. <laughs> is, but is there a podcast called Why Was This Made? Maybe it's Ooh. Why Was This Made? Trademark. Was- Trademark. TMT, TMT, TMT. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> can't take that. That's ours. You can't trust me, even though I used to be a journalist. I I will just say stuff and <laughs> oh yeah it won't be true so <laughs> I, trust I just need those, 
I need like time to fact check my stuff. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Responsible. Don't in that we way. all. What was and, that? Uh, is that, is that your news? Claire? Uh, yeah. And I was okay. That possibly fans are dangerously close to getting a Morbius too. No. Don't know if it'll happen, <laughs> but. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. <laughs> Does Jared Leto yeah. want to do that? Does he want to like further solely his name with Morbius? I feel like too? he gets really defensive about it um, from what probably. I hear, but he hmm. probably thinks it's brilliant. I'm sure. <laughs> oh my God. I have, we've uh, talked about Jared Leto on this podcast before. I have feelings hmm. outside of him being a very attractive man. Connected to method acting as we will discuss. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. That's true. Yeah. The theme of this podcast so yeah. far is. Yeah uh skinny heartthrobs though like that is <laughs> true what we're, what we're talking about here that is a really good segue <laughs> into our movie which we've already said it's elvis the Ooh. 2022 one that released this year mm-hmm. um for reference the i mean it's an elvis biopic but uh to give a summary of what the movie is from imdb it is the life of american musician icon elvis presley which is what I just said, from his childhood to becoming a rock and movie star in the 1950s while maintaining a complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. (laughs) So yes, we are going to talk about a lot of things within this movie, specifically Austin Butler's portrayal as Elvis and his method acting involved with that. We will also talk about the Tom Hanks of it all and that crazy accent We will also get into a little bit of the history of Elvis and the controversy surrounding him. Plus, we're going to debate a little bit about what really killed Elvis in the end. So enjoy. Okay, Danielle, why the flick did you choose this movie? I chose this movie simply because I knew I had the most to say about it out of like any movie (laughs) that I could think of. Like, I just knew that I could talk a really long time about Austin Butler because I literally read every single BuzzFeed article about his performance (laughs) in this movie. I was like, I don't know. They just kept on popping up and I kept on reading them. <laughs> it was it was a lot. And then also, I just feel like there's a lot to say about Elvis in general. Like he was a very uh, complicated figure and mm-hmm. uh, the history of him is just really fascinating. So yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I can chat all day about this movie. So also I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a good watch for me personally. So, um, and it was like one of those movies you watch and you like think about for a few days afterwards. Mm-hmm. So those are all my Would reasons. You- Cool. Mm-hmm. Would you say before you watched this movie, you were a fan of Elvis, like a big fan or just like, eh? No, not at all. Like I really did not get Elvis yeah. at all. Like I just did not understand. I guess I'd only seen him in his like seventies look with those terrible sideburns that are just, I hate those sideburns. <laughs> yeah. So like, I just was not, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get the sex appeal thing. Like the music it's like, oh, it's okay, I guess. I don't know. So yeah, no, I was not a fan of Elvis at all, but for some reason, when I watched the trailer, I was just like really attracted to it. I was like, it's, a, it's, I mean, it's Baz Luhrmann. There's lots of like stuff happening and it just looked really exciting and the music sounded good. So I, I really wanted to watch it, but no, I wouldn't even say I was like a fan of Elvis at all. Okay. Prior. 
Yeah. Well, I guess we can get into some of our initial reactions for this and I'll start with you, Daniel, cause it's your pick. So have you watched this? You've watched this multiple times, right? So I guess like, how was your experience watching it the first time different from maybe like later watching it later on and you've had more time to like think on it? Yeah. So the first time I saw it in the theater, so I think that really, really helps the experience watching yeah. this movie in the theater mm. because it's just like the the music is just such an important part of it. And it was just so loud in the theater. <laughs> um, so I think I was a lot more immersed in it the first time I watched it. Um, and then this time watching it through, I was taking notes the entire time. So I guess I was a little like disconnected from it, but also like I was fact checking things and like looking at the real story. So like when I first watched it, I felt like I was like, I love Austin Butler and Elvis. And then I watch it the second time and I like read about his relationship with Priscilla. I was like, I do not like Elvis. Elvis is a bad guy. (laughs) So yeah, that kind of, it changed my perception, like learning more about him actually. But yeah, yeah. So I guess it was a pretty big difference in the two times that I saw it, but overall I just enjoyed it both times. So yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? So (laughs) before I, I was really skeptical Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Like when I saw the trailer and just like Austin Butler really stands out, even just in the trailer. And I was like, that looks fun, but it's like a nearly three hour movie. And I have feelings about three hour movies, which is why <laughs> I probably will never watch Dune. Um, oh, okay, makes sense. and, and it's, and it's a biopic, um, and it's, you know, um, a, a, an icon, a figure that like we've visited and revisited so many times I had feelings about watching the Princess Di um, biography or biopic that we reviewed uh, last season. I'm blanking. Oh, Spencer is what it's called. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, For a similar reason. And then within two seconds of watching the movie, I remembered, oh, right. This is a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. And, and, (laughs) And his stamp is all over it just, you know, right away in those two seconds as the like kind of opening credits start and not literally like not his name. I didn't see his name first. (laughs) Um, you can just tell with some of the graphics, like, oh yeah, this is, this is Baz. Um, and I'll say in general, um, I loved it. It's, it's a fun movie. Uh, Baz Luhrmann is, is a master. The amount that they crammed into this movie, like it spans Mm. all these decades, it moves super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be really easy to lose an audience. It'd be really easy to overdo it. And I think he, Baz, he being Baz, uh, and the filmmakers striked a really great balance. So um, I loved it. I was impressed. I didn't feel, you know, for being a nearly three hour movie, I didn't feel it dragging um, mm-hmm. at any point. There's really one, like, maybe more than one, but like the one kind of big negative for me is, is Tom Hanks, which we're going to talk about later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, it was uh, super enjoyable. I've only watched it once. I, I'm certain uh, second viewing would be different because I was taking a lot of notes and just kind of like yeah. taking mm-hmm. it all in. I mean, kind of similar to everything everywhere all at once that we did uh, last week. Like there is so much imagery and just so much going on in that uh, movie. I felt kind of similarly with with Elvis again there's it just moves so fast and there's just so much going on so um you could definitely watch it a few times yeah you guys yeah. need to watch like the lighthouse or something after this something that's like not so much sensory <laughs> overload yeah oh my god yeah yeah I mean I I don't know like 
I saw the trailer and I knew about the movie, but I don't know if I would have like felt compelled to watch this movie if you hadn't have picked it because I really don't know very much about Elvis. I just knew like he's the king and he's got crazy dance moves and he's really popular in Vegas and uh, did not know anything about Colonel Tom Parker. So I think mm-hmm. it was interesting, an interesting choice to like tell it from his perspective in a way, or at least have him narrate the story. Um, I'm like a little bit in the middle of the road on this movie, to be honest. Like I felt it's, it's so much of a fucking whirlwind mm-hmm. that it felt like a fever dream to me in a lot of ways. And I really, I, once I realized it was Baz Luhrmann, I was like, I love Baz Luhrmann's work. I mean, I literally wrote in my notes, like this hat gives me Moulin Rouge vibes. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the <laughs> same fucking director. Ew. No, no <laughs> kidding. So it was just a little like really fast paced and it did mm-hmm. feel like everything in the kitchen sink at some times. Um, mm-hmm. But because it's Baz Luhrmann, there are some really creative choices that they make or he makes visually in the movie. I think there's like a lot of really cool cinematography and like there's parts where he's telling Elvis's story, like his um, backstory through a comic book panel because Elvis Mm -hmm. liked to read comic books. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was cool when they get to Elvis and his movie star career, they showcase that with like the opening credits of a seventies movie. I thought that was cool. I really like how they blended new and old music. Like I, I have to watch movies a lot of time with subtitles, especially for the podcast, so I can take notes. And then when I saw Doja Cat came on but, um, yes. and they're like Vegas played, I was like, all right, okay, I like <laughs> I'm getting into this. Um, so yeah, I was just a little bit mixed. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Yeah, that's definitely lot. fair. This is not a movie that I think is for everyone. <laughs> like, right. No. But not not his at all, st- yeah, so. his style isn't for, for everyone. I will say though, I, I feel like now after Spencer and this movie i'm only interested in watching biopics that have like a real style and vision mm-hmm. to them like just like a straightforward biopic now like no yeah <laughs> no not thanks it. not yeah. it <laughs> yeah i'm kind of the same way too um which did you all see i don't know if this was this might have already been planned before elvis came out but like there's another elvis biopic that is in the works but it's gonna be it's called nice. Priscilla and it's gonna be told from oh. Priscilla's point of view oh okay that's that's very interesting I actually was going to, uh, I mean I'll talk about it later but I think think you could like view this movie from a very different lens than what you yeah. view, what we actually did view it from that has more mm-hmm. feminine lens but For I'll talk sure. about that later so yeah but yeah. is it does this next movie have her permission because this one like she was all about all involved in this movie apparently um I don't know I feel I like I wish like, she was but I don't I don't want to say for sure 100 percent I would hope so if you're gonna try yeah. it, like to specifically tell the story through her eyes and you don't have her blessing like why are you mm-hmm. doing it um that's just a lot of Elvis content yeah <laughs> do we need they're capitalizing do but who is is Colonel Tom Parker's ghost still alive here like why are we getting so much Elvis content here he's someone's capitalizing on on this from the grave yeah um I mean I agree that like if you want to tell it from her lens it would be appropriate to get her blessing I do think this movie kind of suffered from like having such like strong handprints on it and like Hmm. from uh, particularly about Priscilla and I guess we'll talk about later but I think that they didn't really like show the full truth because Mm. she was so involved so yeah yeah I don't know but Hmm. interesting well 
as we have mentioned, the director is Baz Luhrmann. And as we have mentioned, he mm-hmm. was the director on Moulin Rouge, which I love Moulin Rouge. Love the style choices. So that's definitely why I liked it a lot in this movie. And then, fuck, it took me till the end of the movie to realize that Vernon, who plays Elvis's dad, is the Duke in Moulin Rouge. Too. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's Richard Roxborough, I think is his name. But yeah, I was hmm. like, oh, okay. It took me a long time though to figure that out. Um, but yeah, he's also got great works like The Great Gatsby and Australia, which I personally love. So he definitely has yeah. a style that I love. And Romeo and Juliet, I have to throw that out there. Yeah. As well, with Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio, which which I haven't oh, seen. Okay. I tried rewatching um. I don't know, in recent years. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've not heard great things. It's actually. bizarre, yeah. But okay, I wasn't really a fan of Mulan Rouge or The Great Gatsby. Those are the two that I've seen. I don't know. I just felt like a lot of style over substance a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, I don't know if I've actually seen the Mulan Rouge maybe all the way through. But I think what I liked, what I think maybe reined it in a bit for this particular movie is that it's a true story. So it has to be rooted mm-hmm. in some reality and also like, Elvis himself is a very complicated person so there's just like a lot of like interesting stuff going on with him that like you know you can be like big and glitzy and whatever but you also like it's kind of impossible to like get away from like the the grounded in reality part of it like this is a real human so I really like this movie more than I've liked any of his other movies for sure I like um Great Gatsby I liked Australia a lot Moulin Rouge eh. mm-hmm. it was just a little like kitschy for me yeah well, like too kitschy for me but yeah mm-hmm. I think the music is better in this movie as well compared yeah. to Moulin Rouge so yeah all right we gotta stop the podcast I just can't take the Moulin Rouge hate <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> I thought Sorry, you were Claire. serious I was like oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you looked you looked uh, upset I, I will say <laughs> yes I was just souring over here it's fine well it's I fine. mean it's good that you're here because honestly so many people love Moulin Rouge that you'd be like flooded with one star yeah uh, so. I have to represent the people <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So yeah, and I was gonna add that I really like that it's Baz Luhrmann telling telling an Elvis story because I think the two blend really well together, and I think their styles definitely feed off of each other. And so yeah, I think it was a really good choice to have him direct this movie. Um, moving on to the main star of the movie, Elvis, aka Austin Butler. I have to say. I did not really know Austin Butler before this, uh, except no, wasn't yeah. he like a Disney Channel star? I think I saw that he I was like on iCarly and iCarly. Interesting. I didn't know that. A bunch of like Disney Disney shows. I knew that he did dated Vanessa Hudgens. Mm. I guess. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I didn't really know that until I watched this movie, and I was like, oh yeah, like, and then I that he has like those famous photos with Vanessa Hudgens where she's like dancing around. And then I was like, Oh, it's that guy, that guy is this guy. Mm. What? So, Oh, the Carrie diaries. That's yeah, like a big that. one from him. Okay. Yeah. And Zoe 101. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. he was kind of more recently in once upon a time in Hollywood. So he was like starting mm. to like get into like more like highbrow stuff. Wait, yes. wait. Oh wait, no, you said <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood. I was thinking yeah. something else. I was thinking that show. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> show. Yeah, I, like- I mean, like, and it's not even higher just like more it's Tarantino yeah yeah Yeah. a more prestigious feature film so right yeah yeah um so what do we think about him as Elvis 
I mean, amazing. Show something. Yeah. Fantastic. There, is there Chef's a kiss? A no, star is no born. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, this is like a, definitely a career defining performance for Austin Butler. He like came out and you're like, oh, wow. Who's Austin Butler? He's amazing. So I, I love yeah. him. And one of the things that, aside from the, the trailer and you picking it, but I also saw an interview with Austin Butler on one of the late night shows and he's just fascinating he has a lot of of charm and presence mm-hmm. and that his voice perfect for elvis yeah perfect for yeah. elvis and i was like okay all right <laughs> I'll, I'll give this a try um but yeah he's awesome to me this is up there with jennifer lopez as selena in terms of um authenticity and like talking about a star is born like that really set off um her movie career and i think we'll see that it does the same for austin butler um and selena that portrayal is just iconic and i think this will um will be as well but yeah he was i thought he was great yeah definitely yeah i definitely liked him in this role and like i like i said i don't really know much about elvis but he definitely felt like elvis to me and mm-hmm. i really liked seeing like his progression from the younger years all the way until the very end um i also had seen or had watched some late night talk show um episodes with him I think it was Jimmy Kimmel and he was like trying no not Jimmy Kimmel who's the other one Fallon yes and thank you and he was showing him how to do the dance moves and Mm -hmm. like just doing even the (laughs) shuffle across the stage like like, damn all right well I can believe it I tried doing that in my kitchen yesterday (laughs) I did all right (laughs) you think you did all right I think I did my my parents are right there and they did not question what was happening it was like it was totally normal but like what are you doing yeah um I think I read that he might also kind of be related to Elvis. Like they Wait, might be 16th cousins. I don't know. This is also wow. an IMDb trivia. So take okay. it will, what you will. 16. But they who might my be related. Cousin is. <laughs> yeah, that's really far away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that he didn't like look exactly like Elvis, but right. he just, Close the enough. vibe was there. Like he just mm-hmm. has yeah. the Elvis vibe down, which is just like what I'm looking for in a biopic casting. It's like, I don't really care. They look exactly like the person. Right. Yeah. I just want them to have like the feeling of that person. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought he like, I thought he did really well capturing kind of like um, the inner character of Elvis or the, the version of Elvis that he was, he was portraying um I feel like it could have been so lost or so easy for him to get lost in like the big glitz and glam and showbiz and just focusing you know on getting the voice down and the moves down and performing which he did all that but then I feel like he still captures like the inner life of a of a character and um you just really or at least I felt like you really connect with him just as a human being mm-hmm. yeah and Danielle yeah. you had like done some looking into <laughs> on how he became Elvis. Do you want to share with the yeah, class? So like I said, every single BuzzFeed article <laughs> I read, and they were pretty much all about him just like acting like Elvis. So I first like caught wind of this, um, at his Met Gala appearance. This was a full year after filming had wrapped on Elvis and he was speaking like he does in the movie. He was talking exactly like mm. Elvis. 
So he has been so method that he has, I guess, hung on to this for an entire year, which I'm not sure if he did it like the entire year, but he did, like, I read an article where he said that his family, like after the move, the like movie wrapped, were like, you don't sound like yourself anymore. So, oh, so weird. I'm wondering if he kept it this entire time. I'm not positive, but he definitely kept it for the media appearances and the media tour. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, even when I was watching the, um, the Fallon interview, I was like, is that, is that purely him? That happens to be his voice or is that like no, Elvis influence? Not. Yeah. You like watch the older interviews. It is not, it's not the same okay. voice. Like wow. he's, he used it for the media tour. So yeah, that's another level. I think like, wait, wait, uh, like intentionally or like he just couldn't kick it. I don't know. I don't okay. know. Cause I mean, all I know is that he like at the end of filming, he couldn't not talk like him right. and he was still talking like him a year later but I'm not sure like in the in-between whether he was you know if he like quit it and yeah. then like, came back with it near the end yeah well and what weren't like I thought I saw somewhere that I mean it took it took years to make this movie and he was signed on for years so yes yeah. that was it so he that was part of it so like he um started they started filming the movie pre-covid and then mm. um filming shut down during covid and he was like, I am just going to live in Australia because that's where they were filming. And for the entire like year of COVID or whatever, he was just like studying Elvis and like getting into Elvis and trying to become mm-hmm. Elvis. So he like, he went like really far into the rabbit hole with this. Oh, shit. <laughs> I really love the idea. I now want a movie <laughs> of an actor who yeah. was shooting a film and going method and then they had to pause and they were stuck in it for a year during yeah. COVID and just being tracked <laughs> with that. Like that is fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And so he said that um, like at the end of filming, he said, he told GQ, you can lose touch with who you actually are. And I definitely had that when I finished Elvis, not knowing who I was. And his like body literally started to shut down after the filming. But he, I think it was because he had like a, he had some sort of infection, like life threatening like, oh. infection or something oh, like yeah, that. I did see that. So we got Jesus. sick physically, but like, I want like the way that they like phrase it in all the headlines was like, Austin Butler's body shut down. Didn't know who he was after <laughs> Elvis building rap. So it made it sound like he was like, so wrapped up in being Elvis that he like almost died. So <laughs> that his body was like rejecting yeah. him. Like, I don't know he, especially when you think about how Elvis died, like that's some weird shit too. I mean, yeah. yeah. Transcending there. Uh-huh. And I mean, there are some similarities. I guess his mother died. They both, his mm-hmm. mom died yeah. when he was 23 and Elvis's mom died when he was 23. So he had these like similarities with him and that like helped him get more into it. And um, yeah, just like another fun fact um, is that Denzel Washington like recommended Austin yeah. for the part. I saw that. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> because he had like done a Broadway play with him and mm-hmm. apparently thought he was just fantastic in it and oh. I'm guessing like got really into his part or something so like he was like yeah you should Baz Luhrmann. he like called Baz Luhrmann up and was like you should cast Austin Butler in your movie so I mean if Denzel Washington is saying you're a good fit like you're a good fit you know yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> so that's awesome he's an great recommendation so. yeah um yeah. and it's his voice singing voice right 
Yeah. So it is his singing voice. They said that like he, the first, like the first half of the movie, like the younger Elvis, like that's all him. And then like near the end, they started overlapping Elvis's and Austin yeah. Butler's voice and like blending them. Oh, interesting. So that's really cool. Yeah. What was interesting to me is that usually when you have an actor portraying a musician, that's one of the first things you wonder when you're watching, like, is that their real voice? <clears throat> yeah. I did not wonder at all. Like I, I didn't wonder, I didn't care. It like, <laughs> because it just, it, it felt also like authentic and organic. Like it just, and sounded so close to, you know, mm. the real Elvis, um, mm -hmm. which I, I don't know. I just think that's a testament to his performance. I didn't even really think about it until after the fact. Yeah. yeah. Also Vanessa Hudgens, like told him, I guess, like even years before, like this Elvis movie was a thing that he should play Elvis. So I don't know. It's like hmm. always been kind of mm. like a thing that he's been, they manifested yeah. it and it I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Well, so. thank you, Denzel and Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. Right. Yeah. Too bad um, you left her. <laughs> that's like a whole joke. <laughs> people are like really podcast. pissed at austin butler for like leaving vanessa hudgens and getting with i think kaya gerber or something i don't know but anyway mm, tea so <laughs> um that probably brings us to you know Ugh. high 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 actor low no, low no, no, actor tom hanks who low actor. <laughs> i mean no 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 in this movie in this, in this movie yeah. yes tom hanks yeah. is a national treasure and we love yes. him he is america's father but we appreciate him but <laughs> this was not tom hanks i think some <laughs> weird man impersonated him <laughs> and came on stage i did yeah. not see tom Very hanks possible. in this role yeah okay yeah so tom hanks plays colonel parker the manager who like this movie is kind of is told through his perspective which i'll say in general i think that's an interesting choice i'm i'm cool with that um let me just read some tweets <laughs> responding oh, to mean tweets. i can't wait <laughs> the, the tom mean hanks tweets. performance yeah basically mean tweets okay uh, all right. Never walked out of a movie thinking the movie would be better with literally anyone besides Tom Hanks in the role, but Elvis <laughs> managed to do it. I can't get over Tom Hanks and Elvis being one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. He was doing an accent that nobody on earth has. <laughs> and then the last one, I wish I could enjoy this Elvis movie, but Tom Hanks is legitimately terrible. Um, oh. And then let me read this. So this is from a Vulture article. It's a really good analysis about um playing a villain and casting mm. tom hanks in this role and they're talking about the writer and sorry i don't have their name but they're talking about how this is his most you know villainy role yet um he's played villains before but this one is just kind of like straight up um manipulative mm -hmm. cruel bastard um but the, the article says, unfortunately, the two-time Oscar winner has also never delivered such a broad, silly performance, a ghoulish Saturday Night Live caricature of showbiz vampirism. How did this bold casting coup go so wrong? <laughs> so for me, and we'll talk about different pieces of this, but to me, uh, basically, it's all these pieces make it super distracting. A lot of attention has been put on, on this bizarre accent. Um, but there's also prosthetics and a, a, a suit. I don't want to, what's a better way to call a fat suit? Just a body suit, body suit. a body suit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just all very bizarre and distracting. What did you guys think about the accent in particular? Um, my, for one of my notes was, what is that accent? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> um, here, some of the words I used to describe him in my notes were, 
oh, this was just like him as a person, but like a leech, a cockroach. He looks like Penguin from the Batman movies. Um, this I read a review by USA Today, and I think they put it perfectly as far as his accent goes. But they said Hanks's accent bounces from German to Leprechaun <laughs> to Evil Woody after a hard life in the toy box. <laughs> oh my god. That's perfect because okay they said he was from where he said he was from West Virginia at one point and I was just yes. thinking not with that accent he is not I know yeah that yeah. part was like I think they were did was this supposed to be like a comical thing like no way he's from like of course he's not from Huntington West know. Virginia he sounds I, like yeah I mean I think a lot of these the, the issues that I have with this performance um, I do think were intentional choices I think it was supposed to be kind of like yes. I think it was supposed to be ghoulish um and kind of almost comedic and and clown-like um and I just think it I think those were the the wrong choices um in terms of the accent I mean the other thing too it's not uh the real Colonel Parker did not talk like that at all which if if, it's okay if you want to veer it's just a little bizarre to me to impose um such a distinct weird accent um some of it is also you just like you can't understand um, <laughs> or make out, which is kind of kind of a problem. Not, not good. Yeah. Yeah. So not great. And then I mentioned the the prosthetics. I'm going to read this. It's from the same uh, Vulture article that I'll link to. Um, it says, "Quote to play Colonel Tom Parker, the infamously exploitative manager of Elvis Presley, Hanks dons mounds of prosthetic enhancements: a fake nose here, baggy glue on jowls there, padding that lends him roughly the same bulbous shape as Jim Broadbent and Lerman's Moulin Rouge." Factor in a labored Dutch accent and his turn flirts with outright parody of the makeup abetted celebrity impressions that so often go over big on Oscar night, which, and that's not a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, just, and, and I mean, of all due respect (laughs) to those responsible for the prosthetics, they also just didn't look good. They looked like sloppy. They looked like an intern did it. Yeah. It didn't look real at all to me. (laughs) No. It was very much a character, <laughs> like yeah, SNL character is like yeah. a really good description. Yeah. yeah. You're right well, about it being a choice. So I like, mm-hmm. so there's a quote from Baz. He said, I thought it was very important that Tom present the audience with the strangeness, a sort of what's going on with this guy. Check. So, well, <laughs> yeah. I was like, mission <laughs> accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. But it know. like, it is crazy to me after watching this movie, pretty much the only thing you should be talking about and thinking about is Austin Butler's performance. Mm-hmm. I was left thinking about Tom Hanks and this and this weird uh, choice. Yeah, and I just think that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I last last thing I want to uh, touch on is kind of this idea of anti-type casting because you know Tom Hanks is America's dad and so beloved and has played so many um, good guys. Even when he plays bad guys, they're often kind of complicated and and you know have a have a, a deeper story and reason. Um, and sorry, this is a little bit of a long quote, but I just want because it, it puts it so, so well. So according to this Vulture article, the arc of Elvis depends on its title characters believing on Elvis, believing his manager can be trusted and failing to see the calculating greed beneath his twinkling promises and fatherly advice. That the movie is narrated by Parker should, in theory, put uninformed viewers in the same boat, which is to say, invite them to mistake a music big Lucifer for an eccentric fairy godfather. Why shouldn't Elvis trust Parker? He's played by Tom Hanks. Mm. But rather than exploit the audience's associations with Hank, it buries them under mounds of makeup. What that ridiculous Professor Clumpian getup suggests is that Lerman, 
refused to or his uh, financiers refused to believe the audiences would accept Hanks as a bad guy without the visual aid of a total physical transformation, which I think is really interesting. If you cast yeah. him because you wanted to play against that idea of, of how we typically see him, but then you make him like not unrecognizable, but nearly and put all this stuff on him and then add the accent in there. It's like, well, what was the point of casting Tom Hanks? I think, is it like to put, like pull you in, like it's Tom Hanks. And then you're like, no, that's not Tom Hanks. I mean, that's most of the movie. I forgot it was Tom Hanks, honestly. I, I couldn't forget. <laughs> because like, it just, instead of it kind of like, um, you know, working against that typecasting in favor of the movie, instead it, it just, it failed for me. And then I'm left just every time he was on screen, I'm like, why are why is that Tom Hanks? And, and, and his, any of his like, you know, beloved fatherly uh, qualities, um, just like, it just, I don't know. It just made it bizarre. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't work. It's like, (laughs) it's like we wanted, it's like you replaced Santa Claus with like Krampus or something. I mean, like he's just supposed to be this lovely person. I mean, as far as, you know, we see on, on, in movies and everything, but yeah. Do we know why he wanted to play this role like what drew him to it anything I don't know yeah it's a mystery yeah I know there (laughs) I saw a couple of articles out there about um at one point he was like what have I done which (laughs) same (laughs) I'm also asking that but I did honestly I didn't read them because I was like boy I know what you did I saw it (laughs) I (laughs) I know what you did I wonder like, like how the COVID break impacted his performance. Do you think like that's what made him go so crazy? Maybe, like, look, COVID impacts us in the brain in ways we still don't clearly, understand. Yeah. So maybe that's what happened. Clearly, and he got it, COVID Austin too. Butler thrived mm-hmm. in it and Tom Hanks yeah. demised yeah. him or something, whatever. I, maybe Austin yeah. Butler like sucked the talent out of Tom Hanks <laughs> or something. Like that was the vibe I was getting. He's like um, this gravitational force or this black literally hole just like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to the same point, like, I mean, like you said, this wasn't the real Colonel Tom Parker's accent. His accent sounded actually did sound kind of Southern, just mm-hmm. what yeah. made what hunting Western Virginia, like believable. So, right. You know, if, if we wanted to be tricked by him, wouldn't we like have a, the more like Southern accent? Like, and that would yeah. like make right. it. Oh yeah. I believe that they're, I believe that they trust him because he has this like kind of Southern accent. He's saying he's from Huntington, West Virginia. But, um, when you watch the movie, you're like, this guy sounds really weird. Like (laughs) he's obviously not from West Virginia. Like, why do you trust him? So yeah, yeah, it kind of, it did not work at all. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good time to like, maybe talk about who Tom Parker really was, but really quick, this is for Mm -hmm. you, Elizabeth. Um, I just want to say that um, Cody Smith McPhee makes an appearance in this movie. He oh, yeah. is the yeah. cowboy. Um, oh. And I just want to know, did he jump off of the power of the dog set and go straight to Elvis? Because I mean, it looks like he it, looked yeah. literally the same. Yeah. Um, he just like time jumped a few decades. And, <laughs> yeah. And he was just he waiting. He's waiting on power of the dog. Like this set's yeah. like shut down. The lights are off. And he's like, I'm just going to sit here and wait. I was, for my next. I was excited to see him. I was like, ah, oh, you escaped power of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just had to throw that in there. Cause, uh, we had a, a real fun time mm-hmm. quote unquote with power of the dog. Anyway, 
kind so, of yeah. Uh, don't. Well, <laughs> yeah. Make up your that's, own mind on that. That's the vibe I got that's from like, a, the, your summary of it. That's a fun, <laughs> uh, fun hate watch. Yeah. Okay. Watch it and then listen to our episode because okay. we, we go into it a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was really curious about who Colonel Tom Parker actually was. And we get like hints of it in the movie, but it never really like fully for me like explained his backstory which it didn't really need to it's not a story about Parker it's a story about Elvis but just out of my own curiosity I did look into it and there's really not much uh surprisingly or not surprisingly yeah he's a mystery really, mm-hmm. yeah he's a, an enigma he's all we really know is like he's not a colonel and he's not a Tom and he's not a Parker that's mm-hmm. what everyone kept saying um his, his real name which they say in the movie is Andreas von Kauk and he it's like truly was it a, car- a carnival worker and all of this stuff about being unfit for military service was was true but um basically in the very few articles i saw about who he really was um he was born in the netherlands he came to america illegally and he did like i said worked at carnivals before I guess he went back home at some point Mm -hmm. and this all explains why he didn't want to travel because he didn't have a a passport there's a biography actually called the colonel which uh claims that he might have been trying to avoid scrutiny because he might have been a suspect in a murder um oh yes I think like that's never been fully proven but Mm -hmm. he was maybe a person of interest in it because the murder happened and then pretty soon after is when he wet left the neverland the neverlands the never the ne- netherlands the yeah that's where he fans from the neverlands my notes say neverlands <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> sorry <laughs> um anyway um so he yeah he went back to the u.s and then he took the name tom parker supposedly it's the name of the officer who interviewed him hmm. and then he enlisted in the army <laughs> what a bold move <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> damn are we surprised no um so he was in the army for two years he did go awol and he was charged with desertion punished with solitary confinement and ultimately admitted to a mental hospital and he was just charged as a psychopath yeah that's what I was gonna say I just was reading that he got discharged I thought it says he got discharged from the army after he was labeled a psychopath Mm -hmm. but that is like that's not a good sign and sorry (laughs) um when was that in this timeline this is when he was younger this was so that Oh, well, 1929 is when he left the Netherlands yeah. okay. and two years he served in the military. So 1931, okay. probably okay, is when you. all that went down. And then um, he ended up moving on to become an entertainer and a showman. I had read, I do not know if this is true. So take it with a grain of salt, but I kind of believe it. He would use really like cruel animal shows. Like, oh, for he, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't yeah. tend to believe it. Um, yeah. that tracks with psychopathy. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he started so cruel animal shows and then they were like, sure, let's hit that have him work with people. And he started working with musicians and singers as early as 1938. So oh. that's kind of where it goes mm. from there. So that's all I could really find about find out about him he is still I think an enigma of a person I did see um an interview with Priscilla 
and she was asked if they ever like reconciled or <clears throat> if they ever you know talked again and she said that they had that they had found some kind of you know peace or closure there and she also talked about how there were really two different sides to him there was obviously the the businessman the very kind of greedy um intense businessman and then there was this really kind man uh mm. who treated their family really uh well um and i wish that we i don't i don't know if, if we're supposed to feel that in this movie um mm. that there's this good side to him um but th- to me there's none of that to me you know pre i mean when he's talking about people being you know good carnival acts within the first i don't know a few minutes i mean from the beginning um I never questioned whether he was, I mean, look, there's good in every person. So the real person, sure. But like as portrayed in this movie, um, to me, it was pretty like one dimensional. This guy is a greedy bastard. Yeah. Yeah. I never got any good. I mean, even when he was like being nice, it was like the sense of like yeah. some intent, like the intent behind his niceness is not actually good. It just wants to like get Elvis on his side so he can take advantage of him steal his money so yeah, yeah. I always yeah. Would, like there was always a motive for what, why he was doing what he was doing I think the only time where I felt like maybe he had a heart in the movie is when Elvis's mom has just passed away and he goes to like try to like console him but it's also like you you like need to like go out there and speak to the press which was also like mm, I I don't know like about that I so and then Elvis obviously is very like in a weak state at that point and he's very vulnerable and he asks he's having to be like over in Germany I think for his military service and you know he's like who's gonna like take care of all this and so Parker's kind of like well I'll step in and help you I'll be kind of like your second dad and I think that there's definitely some manipulation happening there but maybe also some caring but that's like the only part where I was a little like mixed I think at that point that's so far into the movie that to me the clear signal is like he's doing it for other reasons like yeah he, he needs Elvis or what and he does we see a little bit of it in the movie he clearly has a hold maybe a stronger hold on Elvis's father and he kind of, yeah. I think, manipulates his dad um, in that yeah. scene as well. So yeah, I I never trusted him. <laughs> Not for us. Not for a second. Um, I think we should maybe get into some of like Elvis's early performances, and I mean mm. Elvis Austin Butler and how amazing he is <laughs> in this. Um, you but get I into really... our our scenes oh. or. Yeah. Yeah. So our holy flick, holy flick scenes. Yes. Um, and I think the first like one for me was the first time we actually see Elvis perform on stage. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the first time we even get to see Austin Butler as Elvis. And Mm -hmm. he definitely embodies him with like greasy hair and his pink suit. And I love how he starts off as super shy and mm-hmm. the mic is like the feedback from the mic is coming at him and everyone's yeah. like, you suck, get off the stage. And then there's a pause and he's just like knocks it out of the park and he just like blows panties off the girls in the Them girls want to see you wiggle. That's what yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <a> wiggle. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does the gyrations and the jerky behavior and the girls are like, yeah. ow, ow. <laughs> it's so, I love that they went really comedic with this 
Yeah. Because I think, especially for like a modern audience, it's hard for us to imagine the absolute chaos of like an Elvis, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, and how people reacted to them. I just don't yeah. think there's, we're just so jaded and so unimpressed mm. now that that just doesn't really happen. And so I'm glad that they went <laughs> comedic and just <laughs> the way with some of the women, like they're just sitting there and it's like, they have no control. And all of a sudden they're just like, ah! <laughs> it's like, just, just like started screaming, just noises start coming out of, out of their mouth. Um, I loved his mom. Oh Lord, don't let him hurt my baby. <laughs> like, yeah. She's legitimately worried for him. Yeah. But then his dad's like, hurt him. Looks like they want to. And then it like it trails off and yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, like, seeing the dancing, because you're like, that is not, that's so tame now, but, like, then it was considered, like, so, like, lewd, and it's just, like, there's, I mean, he's not twerking, like, it's not that bad, (laughs) so. I really liked the, um, one of the shots where it's right, I mean, sorry, it's, like, on his crotch, but, like, Mm -hmm. it's on him and his legs, and it's kind of, like, a slow-mo, and the, the way the pants move, and it just really (laughs) captures, like, yeah, how yeah. how big of a deal that was um yeah they really yeah, focus on the groin and then like the women and they're just like all <laughs> groin hot, women hot. groin women yeah they're yeah. all hot and heavy um parker says like they're having feelings they're not sure they should be which was very yeah. much like was this the 50s at the time i think yes. so i yeah. thought so yeah yeah, yeah. and it 50s. was very much like oh we don't talk about sex and mm-hmm. uh, like pleasure for women or anything like that and right. so you know, it was a very much like, um, controversial thing as it yeah. went into his later performances. And yeah. then there were, there were two things that Parker said in the scene, um, in voiceover, it was, he started saying, now, I don't know much about music, which is just good to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's man- managing musicians or a musician in this case. Um, and also I think like, he doesn't care about the music. He cares yeah. about the effect that music has on people who will pay to see it. Yeah. Um, and then this is also when he says it's uh, it being Elvis, uh, the greatest carnival attraction that he'd ever yeah. seen. So mm-hmm. that, that really sets up who Parker is. Yeah. We also see like, like you already mentioned the mom in this, like Elvis's mom is like way too involved in his life yeah. and is like yeah. kind of creepily, like they have a really weird and relationship he's a mama's boy is not quite comfortable for me um (laughs) apparently he used to talk to her in baby talk like don't tell me that's what one of his girlfriends said so that that kind of freaks me out a little bit um and like yeah I just I don't know they just they were very close but it was kind of to an uncomfortable level I feel like I did not like that she called him booby I don't but that might be like a southern thing I don't know I could totally be making it up (laughs) don't hate me people from the south yeah they're like don't don't put that on us (laughs) we do not want to be known for calling people booby yeah Yeah, that was a weird one I Um, honestly enjoyed the lead up to the scene almost mm -hmm, more than mm -hmm. the scene though like Mm. the the way that the music kind of built to it was just a, a really like it really it was such a great way to start the movie with this like just all these different like songs converging um, yeah. until we get to this moment so I really enjoyed like the lead up to the scene a lot yeah I liked that initially like we really only saw um Elvis's back we only saw him from behind before, until he got on stage and oh, yeah. so you're kind of watching it and you're like I want to see I want to see Austin Butler as yeah. Elvis I want to see Elvis in this movie so I thought yeah. that was smart and I think yeah. there's like a lot of anticipation because mm-hmm. 
wasn't that right beforehand like he was outside with his family and his bandmates and they were like all nervous and they're like don't worry it's like not a big deal and um parker's like watching creepily from the stairs so creepy (laughs) i know so creepy and um yeah i i just liked that i i feel like we see we know elvis as a performer but i like those moments where you get to see him as a human too Mm -hmm. so as mentioned it does not go well for some people who are prudes and got have sticks up their butts and so they hate (laughs) elvis and his wiggle wiggle so um yeah wiggle wiggle i gotta make a tiktok with that um yeah so I think it kind of culminates in the Russwood Park show. If we want to move on to to that scene, it's the uh, concert where Elvis is at the baseball stadium. And then like also three miles away, there's a Senator who's holding a segregationist rally. And so at this point in the movie, it's kind of come to a head and Parker's like, don't do the wiggle anymore. (laughs) Just smile and sing. And Elvis is like, fuck that. I Mm. don't care about the new Elvis you're gonna see what I know you're gonna what uh, what was like was that symbolic of something because um someone said to him law enforcement or a general or someone said to him if you so much as wiggle your pinky Mm -hmm. I arrest you and so before he starts he puts his pinky up and yeah I loved it (laughs) yeah um and he sings trouble and Uh it's like the perfect that's the one thing I do love about the music in this movie it's like the songs match the tone of whatever scene is happening and so you know trouble is the song that he that he starts Mm -hmm. with and he I love how the first thing he does is this gyration where he like stands on his tippy toes Uh, yeah oh Mm -hmm. it's so good yeah I like too that um he's wearing all black and a red tie the band is wearing all black the whereas like in other settings everything's been really bright and colorful it's like I think it's outdoors Um, and it's all kind of dark and black around, which is just really fitting because it's like it's the old Elvis and he's gonna do what the fuck he wants and he's singing about trouble and evil and it just Mm -hmm. works really well together. Yeah, this is like the scene where like what I said earlier, like I feel like you could tell this movie from a different lens than what they told it. Like they they focused a lot on like Elvis and um like how he used like black music and like black dance moves and that sort of thing. And that's what got him into trouble, which like, I think that might've had something to do with it, but like the real story behind him almost getting arrested was I, I guess not for like breaking segregation laws. Cause his moves were like too much, you know, obscene. Yeah. yeah, too obscene. It was yeah. well, not obscene, <laughs> but just like they were saying that they broke segregation laws because he mm-hmm. was like dancing, like little Richard, for example. Um, oh I thought but, it was because the audience oh really I thought that's yeah. what they were trying to say I thought they were trying to say you are dancing like you know you're not yeah. white so like that's why we're gonna arrest you so I was like that's uh, actually I mean and maybe I'm totally wrong but like the real reason that they almost arrested him at a show was not it wasn't even the show it was mm-hmm. a show in Florida in Jacksonville and the person who threatened to arrest him was not a segregationist the person who threatened to arrest him was like a local judge and he didn't want him to dance this way because um he he said that that would impair the morality of minors so I think that he was more like the real focus was like it's too sexual like it's too and it might have had like an implication where it's like you know it's also it's doubly inappropriate because this is not like how a white person should dance but like I think it 
was almost, it was a lot about, um, controlling like women's sexuality. Like we don't want these women to Mm. like be like too sexually awakened by this man and lose control. So we need to control their sexuality via like telling Elvis to stop dancing this way. Um, and I feel like they could have talked a little bit more about that than they did like the appropriating of black dance moves and black music, which I think they should have like focused on that. I think that's a really important thing to focus on, but I think they could have also like focused tend- tendentially on like more of like <clears throat> the controlling female sexuality through Elvis. And then Elvis, and I'll talk about it later, but he also controlled Priscilla's sexuality and his relationship with her. So like, mm. I think that there's, you could like just talk a lot more about that. Um, and they yeah. chose to- kind of focus more on something else which I think is yeah. equally as important but was just like a different I feel like you could just you could make this movie a different way if you wanted to yeah that's really interesting I hadn't looked at it like that at all I'm sure to 1950s men uh watching women be like overcome and like excited and screaming and embracing that scared yeah. the shit out of them and we're mm-hmm. like, no, no, we gotta, yeah. we gotta uh, tame them down. Um, but I hadn't thought about that. That's really interesting. Um, another yeah. thing is oh. like in the, sorry, the real story oh, no, is that he, the judge told him like, do not wink, wiggle a finger. And he, he didn't do his like gyrating dance moves during that show. Like he actually didn't do it, but he did wiggle mm-hmm. his finger the entire time throughout the show. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and that also, is- I love that kind of interesting that he didn't actually like do this grand show of disobeying Colonel Tom Parker Mm, but I think this is an important scene because you know it it does show like that he wasn't like totally under Tom Parker's spell he was more beholden to the fans than he was yeah Parker so yeah he goes ham in the scene I mean he goes (laughs) he goes all in and just real quick on uh something that you kind of alluded to before this um Elvis is with BB King and BB tells him if you don't do the business the business will do you which I just love that mm-hmm. sentiment and then Elvis goes into this show and I think that's weighing heavy mm-hmm. on him and this is him trying to kind of take control um and, yeah. and do the business himself mm-hmm. yeah I was just gonna add to your point Danielle about like getting into female sexuality in this movie like I think there's definitely things they could have explored more but again, like this is where I have a, a kind of a problem with this movie and biopics in general that just want to show everything in a life story. And it's like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like you can tap into things as deeply when you're trying oh, yeah. to tell an overarching story from beginning to end of a person's life, which is why I really liked Spencer when we watched it because it was a single moment. And I think they day, told yeah. a lot with a single, you know, weekend or whatever. And mm-hmm. like, they were able to tell a lot in that. I think it's, I could, I debate back and forth about if that's possible to do with Elvis because mm-hmm. he is such an icon. And I think there is so much to tell with him, but yeah, like I almost feel like it's a detriment to the movie that they focused on so many events that they couldn't really tap into how he was changing culture. I mean, we see it, but not really deeply. Yeah. I think you absolutely could make a version of an Elvis biopic where it's over, you know, a weekend, for example, but this is a Baz Luhrmann movie Baz is decadent as fuck indulgent as fuck and so of course it's going to be that way and so you could look at it that way like you know cramming all of that in there and trying to cover so much just part of that you know kind of decadent nature but I I totally I get what you're what you're saying 
I did like though that they like this is one thing I loved about Baz Luhrmann's style is like during scenes he'll have other things kind of um like transparently show across the screen so we got to see a lot of like news headlines yeah after Mm -hmm. the fact of what was happening so there were headlines that say use clash with police and crimes of lust and passion and so you get a sense of it there um so I do really like like that's a creative choice that Mm -hmm. he uses throughout the entire movie um but yeah and then I just love that Parker keeps shouting go look after the merchandise oh yes yeah (laughs) forgot about that like that's what he cared about the most of course yeah yeah um so I mean speaking of Elvis and you know how he was influenced by black musicians and and artists I think we should maybe start talking about some of the controversy around that yeah yeah definitely yeah there was um yeah go ahead ahead. (laughs) no you can you can kick it off all right all right yeah Yeah, I was just going to say, I read an article from the Smithsonian, and they spoke to the curator of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. And he said, rock and roll is not or was not so much a distinct genre of music as it was a label that was applied to an existing musical form to market it to white teenagers. Rock and roll was rhythm and blues repackaged for white audiences. Mm -hmm. So he was basically just, you know, taking a form of music that already existed that was like like saying and performed by predominantly black people and then he was like calling it a different name and getting all the money <laughs> but did he but did he weren't. call it a different name though like even like he did. Yeah. king of rock and roll like that was not something that that he put on himself that's something that the like kind of industry um, yeah put on him yeah um, yeah the yeah. the same guy said um the discussion of cultural appropriation music would be much more nuanced if we took a broader look at the conditions in which musicians worked. Elvis was always going to get radio play and record sales that Black artists could not have gotten at the time. So in some ways, the problem goes beyond Elvis. So he's like just yeah. operating in a racist system, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's the most popular person in that system, but he's yeah. he's like part of a cog in the, the machine of yeah. you know, white supremacy. So yeah, I think sure. that's definitely the case. I think very possibly Elvis is also directly um, guilty of some appropriation as well. So I mm-hmm. think it's like, I think it's totally fair game for a white musician to be inspired and influenced by black musicians and culture yeah. and to incorporate that into their, um, into their art and then to even profit off of that. Um, but I think that that white musician is then obligated um, to acknowledge that influence, uh, to actively prop up that influence and those influencers um, and then I also think there's an obligation to support the other aspects of the culture that you are taking from. So this, I mean, he was very active during the, as a musician, very active during the civil rights movement. Um, from the little that I read, Elvis was pretty silent politically um, and he mm-hmm. didn't get involved in the civil rights moment or, or movement or um, mm-hmm. discussion. And so I think that raises, you know, some, some red flags. Um, but I do think, like you said, he was very much operating in a system um, that was racist, um, and that was all too comfortable with, with appropriating black music and black culture and repackaging it for, um, white people and making money off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also, of course, like there, I think there's some obligation as an audience member, which it, no, it was not on people's minds at the time. Um, I think it, it's more expected now that as an audience member that you are cognizant and aware of these things. Um, so there are lots of, responsible parties Mm -hmm. 
and the movie the movie did a great job of highlighting it yeah. I thought like they kept in some things that like maybe didn't happen like happen exactly like this but like they kept in that they had that line with Elvis like watching little Richard or I wasn't it was supposed to be yeah. little Richard right? yeah. okay I didn't know if it was supposed to be like a, a an impersonator or something but yeah it was it kind of looks like uh, it <laughs> yeah. um yeah so they had like him watching <clears throat> him sing his like tutti frutti song um and say oh I would like to record that <laughs> and then BB King was like yeah and you'll make way more money yep. <laughs> when you do that like they were they were just like they were saying it in the movie which mm-hmm. I appreciated and like highlighting it and talking about it a lot and they also like made it a point to feature like a lot of different black artists from the time and like show people portraying them like big mama thornton was in it um so yeah they they did a good job i think of highlighting it and talking about it in the movie um yeah and they, they used a lot of like black artists on the soundtrack as well and incorporated mm-hmm. black artists into like making music so it's like oh we made this movie about elvis who you know obviously made a bunch of money off of music that was like black music but we're also like we're actually now paying <laughs> black artists mm-hmm. which i thought was good like they're actually contributing money putting money in the pockets yeah. of black artists today so i thought that was a good move on their part yeah for sure totally. and it was the music was great it was like it definitely enhanced oh, yeah. the movie Vegas is like, I love that song so much with Doja Cat. It's yeah, fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad they they put such like a spotlight on it in the movie. Claire, what yeah. did you think? I yeah. think like for me, and based on like conversations I had read in about it, it really comes down to like, is it inspiration or is it stolen? And I think like there's a lot of people on both sides who see both things. I think it can be a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, like when there was a scene where mama Thornton is singing, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Mm-hmm. And then Elvis starts singing it and people attributed that to Elvis. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that part to me was like, Oh, like, I don't know how I feel about that. And there, I mean, there were other instances like um, when he's singing mama, that's all right. And it flashes between him singing it and then him hearing it from the black musician who yeah. I guess he like had first heard about it. So I was like, I think it's a little bit of like, he's in a system, like we've talked a racist system already. Um, and when I was looking into it a little bit more, like he, not much is very known about like really his stance on a lot of things just because he didn't talk about it, um, publicly. So we really don't know like where he stood. I think there was an article I read that was like, they said that Elvis himself may not have been intentionally racist, but the, that their interpretation of the movie was that they kind of glossed over it a little bit more than what was like kind of portrayed in the movie. So like uh, the scene with little Richard, for example, um, they had said that he, little Richard was already um, a national hit before Elvis, like even released a single with RCA. So like he wasn't as unknown I think as it portrayed in the movie um so I don't know I I I think like again there are different conversations that could have been had in this movie that weren't as deeply explored just because it is a like showcase of his life Mm -hmm. so I think some things were missing I think what they like did do um they at least like highlighted it I think you can't tell an Elvis story without talking about the influence of black culture on him and everything. Um, but there was just not enough time to like unpack that more. Yeah. Yeah. 
and one more thing I'll add is like, uh, there was also a Ray Charles quote that I read. Um, he said to say that Elvis was so great and so outstanding, like he's the king, the king of what? I know too many artists that are far greater singers like Nat King Cole, who got assaulted by white audiences for performing rock music while Elvis received widespread acclaim. He was doing our kind of music. So what the hell am I supposed to get so excited about? Which I think is totally fair. Like, yeah, (laughs) definitely a fair reaction to have. There's also, also, sorry, there's a moment when somebody calls in the movie, um, calls Elvis the king of rock and roll. And he, and I believe this is based off of a real event. Um, mm-hmm. He corrects him and says, no, this is uh, Fats Domino. Yeah. Um, yeah. Says, this is the king of, of rock and roll. So again, I think that moniker um, was more imposed. Um, mm-hmm. And then lastly, if you want to go really broad, you can ask the question, which we've, I think we've kind of alluded to already, which is like, why are we making another Elvis movie at all? Why don't we make more movies about the people who influenced him? Mm-hmm. Like, should there even be That's this? That's fair movie you know yeah that is a good question <laughs> this is about how many Elvis movies have we had <laughs> I, uh, over the years movies Plus documentaries no tv shows yeah who knows yeah maybe stage plays musicals <laughs> probably <laughs> probably oh yeah there is definitely got to be an Elvis musical somewhere that exists yeah mm-hmm. all right well should we want to go <laughs> talk about his comeback special yeah, yeah. let's do that Okay. So I really like this scene, um, in particular because at this point, like it really has shown the division, I think, between Parker and Elvis up to this point. Um, so like Parker wants Elvis to essentially make this Christmas special and Elvis meanwhile is secretly planning his own special with a producer named Steve Binder, who, I also wrote in my notes, is that Billy from Stranger (laughs) Things? And it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, Dacre Montgomery loved that he had a little cameo appearance in this movie. But yeah, so instead of Elvis wearing a Christmas sweater, he wears a leather jacket. And instead of here comes Santa Claus, he sings all of his classic hits like Heartbreak Hotel and Hound Dog and Blue Suede Shoes. Um, this is okay. Side note: I just want to ask you guys: Do you have a favorite Elvis song? Because I just thought of this. I do now because of this movie. Yes. Okay. Well, do I. You, oh God, I don't know. Is do you want us like, to share or? Yeah. 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 Okay. I, sorry, this is yeah. a tangent, but I'm just curious. If I can dream. Uh, okay. Well, this yeah. is a good. That's a good um, <laughs> place to bring it up. Then. Yeah. I knew. I'm like, I'm really conflicted. I really like Unchained Melody. Hmm. It's really mm. beautiful, but I also really like, um, is it suspicion? Is that Sus- suspicious minds. Suspicious minds. Yeah, yeah. I really like that one too. So those are yeah. like my favorites. Um, I really like jailhouse rock. Cause mm-hmm. I think I used to, I th- I'm pretty sure I sang it in elementary school or at some point for some like concert. It was like, choice so funny. Is for- <laughs> it jailhouse rock? <sighs> I can't remember. Anyway, I just know I, think I, do. I also sang in elementary school. Thank you. Okay. That's the thing. Okay. Which is so yeah. funny now to think like, okay, now we're okay with singing Elvis yeah. songs in elementary <laughs> yeah. school. Children. Like, um. Right. Um, and then I also really like Caught in a Trap. Um, mm. that is, that he sings later on. is it the same? Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, Sorry, I just like <laughs> that popped in my head and I wanted to ask Good it question. before I forgot. So uh, Elvis does this, Parker's pissed. And I really love how Parker says 
none of this will be in the special. And then Binder was like, make a note to put that in the special. I did laugh mm-hmm. at that part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Parker is like, so desperate and obnoxious <laughs> in this sequence. Yeah. We won't shut up about the damn Christmas set. Oh my God. <laughs> the sweater. He was so obsessed sweater. with sweater. You will the be sweater. wearing our sweater. He was like telling the TV execs, we'll still have Santa Claus. And the exec is like, Santa Claus is going to bring you a lawsuit. And then they like storm <laughs> out, which I just love. But yeah. yeah. And then, so like that happens, but then also midway through the assassination of Bobby Kennedy also happens. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of stirs this big debate about as far as should Elvis make a statement or not? And Parker says, no, like musicians shouldn't make statements, which, oh, we could have a whole conversation about that in Twitter age nowadays. But um, ultimately Elvis decides to not make a statement, but write a song that's a Mm -hmm. statement. And it's, if I can dream. Yeah. Yeah. It I has love everything that. to do with us. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I have to yeah. say that stuck <laughs> in my head all the time. There was also like two months before this, um, MLK was, was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it's portrayed in the movie is that these are things that were really personally weighing on Elvis. Now, yeah. is that too generous? Was that the case? And I mean, obviously there's some truth to it because it inspired him um, to, and I don't think he wrote this song, but to have this song written and produced um, to perform. And I really loved before that happens, um, he's at the piano and he says that, and I can't remember who told him this, uh, but that when things are too dangerous to say, sing. Um, mm. And that's what he I does. can't remember who. And he sings, If I Can Dream. Um, and I really liked it. Oh, it was a I reverend. Was, yes, yes. And I was watching the like clips from the real performance earlier today. And it, it, it really is. Um, I mean, it's known to be perhaps his most like impassioned um, performance and some of his best vocals. And it's definitely up there. Yeah. I think this scene makes me think of this like question of like whether Elvis's career actually was hampered or not by Colonel Tom Parker, because obviously the colonel like did a lot for him and um was able to get him a lot of good gigs that were pretty amazing like the satellite show where it was apparently broadcast for billions of people yeah but he's also like at his best when he is like kind of breaking away from Mm -hmm. the colonel like uh this special is not the colonel did not want this special and it was like one of the best moments for him um and i feel like on one hand it seems like he's like really he's best when he's like being rebellious yeah but then on the other hand I'm like would he actually have ever been as popular as he got if it wasn't for the colonel I don't know yeah yeah you wonder like um I don't know on one hand I would think that there were a lot of people gunning to um represent him because he was showing signs of being a phenomenon yeah. Um, but also there were a lot of people probably who wanted to stay very far away because he was criticized for being, uh, or for, um, performing black music. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, there's, there's something like the world tour that was a dream for Elvis and Parker very intentionally and actively impeded that dream, um, because he couldn't go, mm-hmm. um, yeah overseas yeah. I think there are probably other reasons uh for that as well um Parker calls this special a an embarrassing jamboree mm-hmm. and like like admonishes him like a child in the dressing room at one point um and then of course it goes on to be a huge 
um, success. Uh, so Parker was was wrong. Um, should I get into the the Vegas residency? Yeah. Sequence. Okay. So um, soon after this, um, so the Colonel and Elvis are kind of um, on the fritz, and they haven't like officially split. Um, but the colonel has a heart attack. He's in the hospital. Elvis goes to visit him. And the, the plan is basically to break up with him. Priscilla <laughs> tells him, like, don't let him, like, trick you into something else. Yeah. Don't let the colonel uh, manipulate you. And of course, Elvis is like, nah, won't happen. But it happens because the colonel has a trick up his sleeve. He has this idea for a six-week residency at a new Las Vegas hotel. The, I believe it's international um, it would be at no cost to Elvis and his team because they're basically, um, you know, getting publicity for this brand new hotel in Vegas and getting people there. Um, it's a 2000 seat room and this is, this is pre, you know, stadium and arena shows. So 2000 seats in a room, um, is a really big deal. And you, and you watch as, you know, Elvis in the scene is like slowly more and more intrigued and kind of leaning yeah. in and, 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 and Parker sells him. Parker um, hooks him with the bait. And I think it's, it shows um, his prowess and how sneaky and sharp Parker is and how he does have this, this power still after everything um, to kind of manipulate uh, and direct Elvis. Um, so then, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, um, they're at the hotel and they're putting the show together um, and they're doing uh, rehearsals and we see a montage of Elvis arranging sets for this show, doing different versions of the songs that he has sang a million times, doing extended versions. He has like a big band, orchestra, um, gospel singers. Um, and he's kind of directing all these different pieces and he has all these different ideas. And I loved this because we really see like Elvis, the musician and the artist who actually has a vision and I had always kind of looked at Elvis as, I mean, I know he's, he was known as the king of rock and roll, but I listed him more as like a, a pop star that was, you know, being yeah. pu puppeteered behind the scenes just to make a shit ton of money. And also he moved his hips a lot like mm -hmm. that, like that was really kind of, and, and, and you know, good music too. Um, and he, I, I, he has co-writing credits. I think there's question to how much of co-writing he even did. Um, so he wasn't necessarily a songwriter. Um, but again, I think this shows that he did have, have vision and, and perhaps the, you know, more he got into his career, the more kind of control he wanted over the music. Um, but it's a high energy sequence. And I just loved how it kind of, for me, put this new light on Elvis. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I had kind of, I still see him as more like a performer than anything else, but right. yeah, he definitely like could direct his like own mm -hmm. performances pretty well. So yeah yeah I always see him as like an entertainer first right. and foremost um just because like the Las Vegas aspect of his life I think sticks with me the most as far as what I knew about him so entertainer kind of feels like that goes hand in hand um I think when I watched this scene I was automatically like what's the catch with this mm. hotel and I really love how like it's so dramatic um they like open the curtains on the um hospital room and it's just like vroom, and there's like this huge hotel out in the desert that they kind of zoom in on but yeah I I don't know if you're gonna talk about the shady business that happens during a yeah caught in a trap but well no. and I would say too like 
maybe not everyone thinks it's shady. He, it's kind of brilliant business um, for, for both of them. So Parker negotiates after this first, I think it's like the opening night performance for, you know, opening night for this hotel. <clears throat> and Parker negotiates the deal with whoever, hotel management. It's a five-year deal. So Elvis would come back every year for five years and he would get a million dollars a year. And Parker's debts would be canceled. Uh, Parker is a gambler. He has a problem. Um, and his, his debts would be canceled and he would also get unlimited credit, which that's very generous. Um, so, um, I mean, seems like a good deal for Elvis. And again, I mean, I don't know if this is the case for the five years, but for some period of time, it's at no cost to them. Also, mm -hmm. Elvis's career has been dwindling and struggling at this, at this time. So it's a good deal for Elvis. It happens to also be a really good deal for Parker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did he, like, was say, his career oh. dwindling at this point? Or how did, how? Yeah, this is like 69, I think. So it's so just had, a year after the mm -hmm. Las Vegas special? Oh, damn. Or, no, after the um, or, Christmas sorry, but, special, the comeback yeah. special. Yeah. Um, but some from something I read that like he was still um, was like struggling. struggling in that right year between. Yeah. Hmm. I just have a problem with like, cause Elvis wanted to go international. Like yeah. he wanted mm -hmm. to travel and I see this as Parker's way of like, still like holding on to Elvis a as a cash cow, but also as like, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, just out as a way to like serve his own interests, you know, to like cancel his debts and everything. I will say like, I think this scene, even though I hate what's what's happening, yeah, it's a smart business deal, but it's I think it's shady because Elvis isn't really aware of everything that's going on. Um, I will say I love how they showcased this scene where mm -hmm. it's Elvis singing caught in a trap and you there's no dialogue really very much happening between Parker and the hotel owners, but they just keep writing shit down mm -hmm. on paper and the camera keeps panning over to it. And so it's unfolding like as the song is playing. And I, I just really like how they decided to showcase that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I will say, so Parker says, as he's making the deal after the a million a year for five years, he says, now, what are you going to pay me? Which is fair. I mean, as a manager, you I mean, get paid, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, again, unlimited credit is okay. <laughs> bad idea. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a really bad idea for this guy in particular. Um, and then, so Elvis doesn't, Elvis doesn't know that, um, Parker can't leave the country and that's why he's trying, he doesn't, he doesn't know at this, at yeah. this point, he doesn't know about his gambling, uh, debts. I think it's fine. He doesn't know about his gambling, um, debts, but at the same time, Elvis was about to, to dump him and Parker mm -hmm. put in front of him this, a deal nobody else was, was going to make, or an idea that nobody, well, presumably nobody else had, or was going to bring, um, to Elvis. So yes, his, as always, Parker's, uh, plans are nefarious and, and self-serving, but this is actually a case where I'm like, Oh, he is a businessman. He yeah. actually, <laughs> he can get it done. Okay. Yeah. No, he yeah. was, he was constantly apparently demanding huge sums of money for Elvis to perform. So right. like he was definitely good at his job. It's just like, you know, he also took a lot of the money himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Claire, do you want to get into like, when all goes to shit at the, yeah. at the hotel. 
I mean, like five years go by and we see, well, there's also something where they're like, we're going to do 15 cities in 15 that's days. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds like a lot. But I think that's like pretty standard for a lot of musicians. Uh... But then it also, it's, it, the impression I got was like, it turned into a bigger beast. It didn't stop at 15 days and they just ran Elvis absolutely yeah. ragged. Yeah. And like they built, well, Parker also built up a lot of paranoia with Elvis as far as like yeah. we can go to international because yeah. there's security yeah. issues. And it felt so bad for the Peruvian fan. <laughs> I was like, mm. oh, yeah. Um, did you all get the sense that like some of the death threats were fabricated by Parker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to imply. Yeah, okay. Like the yeah. card or whatever thing, I think was yeah. supposed to be him. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like all going completely off on that, but yeah. Um, so at this point, like year five years, more time has passed and Elvis just keeps singing at the hotel yeah. and, um, like, yeah, California, hotel, California, you can never leave. <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. And, um, I guess at some point Parker or not Parker, uh, it's revealed to Elvis that Parker doesn't have a passport. And so like Elvis mm-hmm. is like, oh, I can put the pieces together now. And so Elvis is on stage doing another performance and essentially like fires Parker on stage, which apparently never really happened. That whole thing like doesn't exist in history. Yeah. Not um, surprised. <laughs> I, I like can, there are like, a lot of creative liberties taken. Yeah. I mean, I can see it for the drama of the movie, but, mm-hmm. um, it was, sad- it love- was a satisfying way to fire him. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love how caught in a trap comes back around in this scene mm. because Elvis Apparently. is like, so I'm caught in a trap. I can't get <laughs> out. And then he goes, cause Curdle's got some big debts, baby. Debts, and yeah. Then yeah. That's yeah. He says he, like, he's in a golden yeah. cage, which mm. I love. I think that yeah. came up in a uh, house of the dragon recently i will i won't go into that because <laughs> i'll never stop um but yeah i mean i uh i kind of wish this was real so that i could have been there to if i you know was yeah. born in the 70s um that i could have been there to experience him saying <laughs> fuck the international and fuck las yeah. vegas I oh that like was I an awkward been. room <laughs> it was tense <laughs> nobody knew what to make of that yeah also it was right before this that he collapsed backstage right yeah. um yeah. and the colonel doesn't give a fuck he's, he's like, like get him on stage yeah and he's yeah and that's when is it dr nick i couldn't catch his yeah, name yes. dr. Okay. Nick. that's when dr nick comes in i think for the first time maybe not but um and gives him something to uh mm-hmm. to keep him going it's very um, reminds me of michael jackson a lot and having yes. a doctor and enabling doctor yeah 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 um, so I mean that was a crazy culmination scene yeah I was gonna say like you get this moment is supposed I don't know you're like so excited for Elvis to fire Colonel Tom Parker and like get away from him forever yeah. and but just unfortunately mm. like this is reality and he cannot like he's come to this realization that Colonel Tom Parker is not a good dude um but he just he can't he can't get away because the yeah uh parker sues him for like over eight million dollars yeah um and he i mean he has him he has him trapped and elvis realizes that um you know they'll lose graceland his family will be fucked like he realizes that he is trapped and he has to continue 
working for him to um, pay back the money. Um, and this is when we circle back to the Rock of Eternity, which came up early mm-hmm. in, in the movie. Um, and Colonel says uh, to Elvis that we are the same. We're two lonely children reaching for eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, which I disagree with. <laughs> I mean, I think clearly Elvis had ambition, but it felt more, to me, it felt more like, felt more motivated by like the love for music and art. Yes. Well, I don't know. I guess he, he was reaching for eternity, I guess just in a, just in a different sense, a different way. Um, yeah. But. Like one of our questions was like, are they more similar than we realized? And I do think they have like similarities. Like I think mm-hmm. that, so Parker says he sees himself in Elvis. He calls him like a showman and a trickster. Mm-hmm. And like, he's definitely a showman and I guess you could like make a case he's a trickster too like for taking black music in a way um Mm -hmm. but and he's like not I mean again he's not like he didn't write a lot of his songs he's a performer more so like than a you know artiste um but and also he's like kind of irresponsible with his money like Colonel Tom Barker um and I think he like kind of just absorbed whatever was like popular at the time and kind of just like like absorb pop culture and like that's who created right so like yeah I do think there are some similarities there like that they're both kind of like they easily molded themselves to different situations um Mm. and they are like both showmen and like have like some smoke and mirrors going on but I think ultimately Colonel Tom Parker is about money and Elvis is about like his family and the love of performing yeah which like also like incorporates ego which could be like not so great thing but like right it's it's still a more he seems to have a little bit more honorable of a of a mission yeah Colonel Tom Parker ever does so yeah Parker's like all about money at any cost to other people you know like (laughs) be damned how it impacts um others as long as it makes him money Mm -hmm. yeah I agree Hmm. um well that kind of brings us to the end as far as the movie goes and I have to this is like if there's another scene that I really fucking loved it's this one where um Elvis has like passed away at this point. And so we don't see Austin Butler anymore. We actually see the real Elvis. And I just really liked that they decided to show some real footage of Elvis and really like highlight that at the end of the movie. And he sings Unchained Melody and Parker talks. It's still like his voiceover, but he talks about how like Elvis sang for the last time he could barely stand, but he sang with all of his heart and soul and this is where I was like, okay, the movie did something to me because I started, <laughs> did start like getting teary eyed during this part. So yeah. I didn't really have like a leaning one way or the other about Elvis before this movie. But by the end, I was like, damn, I really care about him. Yeah. So, I mean, and like they show multiple clips of him in his real life. And yeah, I just, I really like that choice. I will say I was so like in this sequence did you notice that it changed from Austin? I, to I know I didn't <laughs> until I finally I was like it. holy fuck I was like wait is that and I still <laughs> didn't know lie. and then eventually I put it together it's like oh my god that's actually Elvis which again just a testament to yeah I don't not just not just Austin Butler but I also think it's like a, it's a pacing thing and for them to hold that card until the end you know um you know to to use that real footage in that way um yeah I was like I should I didn't even realize that was the the real Elvis it's such a mission sad performance <laughs> um, yeah yeah and it like gives you such song. a different 
like outlook on Unchained Melody yeah. once you realize at the end like he really loved his fans and like I feel like damn like they play that what a couple times they play it once with mm-hmm. Priscilla when he like first meets her and it's like about falling in love with her but then they play it at the end and I'm like no that's like I can definitely see that being his love for his fans yeah mm-hmm. is this when at some point um uh Parker basically says you the audience killed him <laughs> oh thanks yeah yeah <laughs> and I was like I all right. Do not pull me, me into this. <laughs> Excuse I was me. not born. Yeah, yet, was so. not that was a there. very like breaking the fourth wall almost. Like that was an interesting thing too. I feel. Yeah, like. there were a couple of other little seeds, like when he after the um, what, what the hell was that called? Um, the Russwood Park show, um, and in voiceover, Parker says that he chose his fans, mm-hmm. and he talks about like um, oh, and that um. At one point, he says that Elvis was addicted to the love from his fans. So he's dropping these little seeds to then at the end say it was you who killed him. Oh man, he manipulated me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, it's so man. Sorry, <laughs> I <laughs> I fucking hate that when he's yeah. like it's a snowman and it's a snow job. I that was gonna be gives... one of my why the flicks. I was like, why does he yeah, give me the thing? He's a snowman. I hated it so much. Yeah, snow, snow is money it. though. It's the money. Mm, the money. I like yeah, I just don't like yeah. snow job. Like that feels <laughs> icky to me. Yeah, I did not. Like he that. he's Parker's icky. Yeah, True. I, uh, I okay, sure, maybe like the high performing did contribute to his death in a way, which I'll I guess I'll explain. But like, I mean, mostly it was just drug addiction, which is like such a multi-layered, complicated thing. You cannot right. prescribe that to any one thing. Like one, one, his mom exactly. seemed to have a sort of an addiction. So yeah, that's right. Probably partially yeah. genetic. So mm-hmm. gotta throw that in there. Um, and then, yeah, apparently he started like using drugs in the army because according to Priscilla, this is her interpretation was that he like was so used to like the high of performing that when he was like not doing that he was like I need another way to get my fix so he like started using mm. drugs so in that way I guess it's the fans but mostly it's just like his love of performing it's not our fault that he loves performing so much right you know and then like and then just like the hopelessness and despair that he was put into from being like trapped is obviously going to exacerbate an already bad problem so it's just like it's so with drug addiction you can't say that it's like any one person's fault or one thing's fault yeah I, I agree and to me that's so obvious that it is a multi-layered complicated issue that Parker trying to pin it on the audience <laughs> yeah. just like who the fuck are you fooling like yeah. um, if the movie was meant to make us question that I don't think it succeeded because it's not it's no. like it's not a, a question to me um, I don't think that was the intent of the movie like even though it's from Tom Parker's perspective and his voiceover the whole time like I have no question like that that this movie is trying to redeem him or make us feel sympathy for him in any way like which I think is an interesting choice to tell it like from like if you're gonna say quote-unquote villain having him tell the story but then also not justifying what he's doing you know mm-hmm. well and so in the very beginning Parker lays out like what the big question is or what I thought it was going to be which basically is he the villain did was he actually a bad yeah. guy? Did he actually kill 
or, you know, contribute whatever to Elvis's death. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We have the question up front. Now let's explore it. But that question was answered, maybe not the contributed to death part, but that question was mostly answered for me, like very early on. Like I said, I, from the beginning, I was like, this, this guy's a dick and I can't trust him. And yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, does not have good intentions and there's not a lot of layers here. Um, so I felt like you, you posed this big question in the beginning and it was like pretty quickly deflated. Um, I just, I, I feel like it was a missed opportunity a bit. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I, I have a, oh, go ahead. I know. Oh, this is not related. If you want to wrap up that. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, I think it's when it's like what killed Elvis. Like if you're thinking like metaphorically speaking, and he goes like, it was it me or the fans? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I think they feed into each other and like, there was this really interesting shot. It was happened so quickly. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but it's when Elvis is at the carnival and, uh, there's like a sign like right here by his head and it like cuts in and out, but it's a sign that says geek, um, for the carnival. It happened mm-hmm. so quickly, but geek at the carnival was like, essentially it was an attraction where like drugged out men would, um, have to, um, they would like be put in a pit and then chase a chicken and then and ultimately like bite the chicken's head off. Like what? An attraction. Have you ever seen nightmare alley? They, that's like a whole thing that happens in that, that movie. Yeah. What but the yeah. fuck is wrong with humanity? So I think that there's a big yeah. metaphor there as far mm-hmm. as, you know, what Parker, how like he influenced Elvis into becoming this freak show. Mm-hmm. So there's that side of it. But then also Elvis really loved the fans and loved being on stage and loved that euphoria of getting to perform to them. So like, would things have turned out differently if Parker wasn't his manager or would they have ultimately like ended up the same because of Elvis's drive and mm-hmm. obsession with the fans? I don't think there's a way to like know that for sure, obviously yeah. ever, but yeah. I think Parker was an enabler. And I think like Danielle said, drug addiction is very complicated and there are m- multiple people kind of that have a hand in that and are responsible, including Elvis himself. Um, I, so I don't, I, based on what I know, what I saw in the movie, to me, there's no argument for like the fans having like a direct impact. Yeah. I could see like a, you know, I think more of like, um, more of today's culture and tabloid culture. And, mm-hmm. um, we have that culture because audiences eat that shit up. Um, and the ramifications that that can ultimately have on a person, Britney Spears, you know, comes top of mind Mm -hmm. is there some culpability as an audience member then I can see that connection yeah except Um, they didn't bring that up at all so right (laughs) yeah exactly talking about that in the movies yeah exactly so for me it just it just wasn't there Mm -hmm. okay so I just had a fun fact because I mean this is not a fun scene or anything but (laughs) the last Elvis's last performance was Indianapolis so that was footage from his Indianapolis show I I think the I don't whatever was before like the current stadium the field house okay. I think okay so the yeah chain melody was footage from Indianapolis yeah yeah Fun that's facts. awesome I mean so. sad because it was his last performance but woo Indiana <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we killed him we killed Elvis it, yeah, in it Indianapolis was, of oh, course wow. it was Indiana <laughs> the Hoosiers right sorry guys <laughs> yeah. all right is there anything else that we want to talk about before we move on yes I want to talk about wait no Lisa Marie I want to talk about Lisa or Priscilla oh yeah can we talk about her yes 
Um, so yeah, like the controversial legacy of Elvis, like it was he really a person worth like making a, a film about because you know he was a complicated human being. Um, but the way his like Priscilla Presley and their relationship is like very glossed over, so much more yeah. glossed over than the whole like appropriating black music thing. It's like they barely they did not did they even like say Priscilla Presley's age when they met because she was fourteen. Yeah, there was, re- I think there's reference to her being a teen at one point, but no. Yeah, she was 14 years old. She was Yikes. really, really young. My niece is 14. <sighs> yes. And they, like, the first, the scene that you see of her, the first scene is like, she's like, he's on the ground. He's like below her. She's standing up, seeming older. And she was like, had this like very self assured, like wise, like quality about her where you were like, oh, she's like, she's an old soul. She's like older than she seems, but she wasn't really, I don't think she was really like that in real life. She was, um, she like, I read like a people magazine, like article that she wrote, like it was, or maybe ghost wrote, but like it was from her perspective. And she was talking about how she was like very insecure when she met Elvis. Like she was like an insecure little girl child who was very (laughs) inexperienced. So I think they did not portray it very accurately at all um and also like just like the real story like reading it I was horrified by the way Elvis treated her like as a 14 year old I was reading this story and I was like this is terrible which like I you know she I think has like a even though she wrote these words and it came off really terribly I think she's like she does have like more of a like an attitude that it wasn't really like that like their relationship was like pure like not pure but like they had a she just didn't, doesn't see herself, I think, as a, a victim, really, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which I guess is fair. But, like, reading it, I was just like, this is not good. Like, the first time that he met her, he, like, said that she lo- she was just a baby because, you know, he was like, oh, are you, like, a junior or senior in high school? And she's like, no, I'm a sophomore. And he was like, oh, you're a child. He, like, said that to her, basically. And then they, like, that mm-hmm. same night, he took her up to his room and, like, gave her her first real kiss and like how old said, was he he was 24 which is like you know young mm-hmm. but yeah no <laughs> but yeah, 10 years older than and she. and she's 14 the different the, the difference makes it makes a difference the, yeah. the exact age you know like if it was right. 20 and 30 still a big difference but like 14 mm-hmm. yeah. and he said Ugh. like they cuddle he kissed her and he said we have plenty of time little one which is like really creepy thing to say um and he basically like tried to like mold her she like said this in her the article she was like he would try to mold me into his like perfect woman like he told me that he likes soft-spoken brunettes with blue eyes and he wanted to mold her opinions and her preferences um could be called grooming it Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah and she like she was having a hard time like she started failing classes at school like this was having a very negative like impact on her her life at the time and she was like obsessed with him and like you know was like crying when she didn't see him and was like very attached to him and he gave her pills as a kid and I guess he like saw it as like a good thing but he was basically like giving her drugs as like a child she didn't take them apparently this is all according to her um and yeah, he like did this whole thing where again, like the sexuality thing I was like kind of talking about, he like refused to, he was like, we, I want my, my, the woman that I end up with, I do not want to have sex with until marriage. So like 
he was like really kind of controlling her like yeah. sexuality. Like we will not have sex. And she was like asking for it. And he was saying, no, no, but they were like doing ever. They were doing a lot. Like her explanation is like in the midst of our lovemaking, he was like, I'm sorry, we can't go that far, but she called it lovemaking. And mm-hmm. it was just like, it, the implication was there was like stuff going on, yeah. but like he drew a line yeah. at, you know, <laughs> like this well, like, I- very weird concept of virginity mm-hmm. so like i i read this and i was like this is really creepy they did not talk about this at all in the movie like this is bad i do not like this at all so yeah so now i'm like it. i'm horrified yeah. on multiple levels on just the reality of it and then that it wasn't addressed in any way shape or form like all, like know. if you're not gonna address it at all don't even have priscilla in the movie you know what i mean like don't even have the character because yeah. it's almost worse like um having her part of the movie um and oh my god jesus yeah that's yeah, intense really gross i'm sorry to put a damper on the whole like no thing, I mean, but no i read that no um yeah, not great you know there's a part like when he first meets her i feel like is so she, the way she looks is so different from when we see her when like they've moved to los angeles and that he's trying to make it as a movie star it is the way that like she looks so that that to me feels like a little part of it poss- possibly mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, if they yeah. I don't know if they were intentionally doing that or if it was like subconsciously like that's just what happened and then that's how it comes across in the movie but yeah that's not good yeah and yeah. so I just had a, a thought as you were talking of like what their response to it was at the time like why wasn't he canceled <laughs> yeah right wait I don't, like, like he had where other, was twitter he had other girlfriends too so maybe that like played into it like he was like yes he started like kind of dating priscilla ish but he was like still dating other people and like that were more age appropriate i think so maybe that kind of had something i honestly to do think it. people just also didn't care yeah, yeah like i mean it, her parents her parents let it happen <laughs> like they were yeah. they they let her like go off with this older man um, which is just, I guess they also maybe didn't see it as like this really like kind of gross thing, but it yeah is from my perspective. So. Yeah. Right. Um, and like, mm. but she had a, she had a really big say in this movie and like the movie was like, she yeah. gave it her mm-hmm. blessing and she like, I think this is how she wants it to be portrayed, which mm. is just like, kind of like, I, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't seem to be the reality though. Do you know how long they were together before know when they got they I'm got just curious to know it was well I don't remember I think he said like we'll get together again when we're 40 right so maybe mm-hmm. maybe he was 30 at the time and she was 20 I'm not sure um yeah because I mean the longer she was with him I can see how like you uh, know because because then she's going into adulthood and and so it kind of erases mm-hmm. you know this idea that it was wrong when she was 14. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. he was, he was 41 when he died. So 42. They, they divorced in 73, but they separated in 72. Okay. So like they were, oh, older okay. Yeah. And that they were, I don't know. So I yeah. Laugh. I mean, she, yeah, she really probably doesn't. Um, and that's true. Based on her own words, doesn't like you see herself as a victim. And since she was with mm. him through, you know, adulthood and sounds like her, her, yeah. through her twenties, um, their relationship changed a lot. Yeah. And then to like, to, to be with someone from the age of 14, which is super impressionable time. You mentioned how, like how swept up she was and how much it affected her. Mm -hmm. It's Elvis Presley. Yes. It's this living, like, you know, 
icon. Like I just, what that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's huge power differential. And he like, she even talked about in this article that like, he would like hang out with her and all these other people and they wouldn't even laugh unless, or joke or laugh unless he laughed. Like they were all really looking up to him and seeing him as this. Mm. Like, God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and she was in the same boat. Um, gross. I yeah, feel gross. I'm going to be yeah. real interested to see if they address that in the Priscilla movie, which is, I looked, yeah. it's apparently based on her memoir. Well, so this, yeah. I mean, this was, like I said, a people article that she wrote, but I don't know, maybe if it like came out around the same time as her memoir or something, I'm curious whether the memoir is like similar to this article yeah. or whether I don't, what kind of perspective it's kind of written from. Mm. So but yeah, I had that no was idea not about so any of that. Great. I, know. <laughs> I vaguely, re- yeah, I vaguely remember that she was young, but I did not know that she was 14. Yeah. Wow. Child. Well, speaking of things that make you say, <laughs> yeah, what that flick. Yeah. What that's a great fuck, segue. Uh, let's get into some of our other flick moments. Although I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hung up on that, but, but I'll kick it off just because it pre- Pertains to oh, Priscilla. Oh, okay. Um, why the flick does Elvis think it's okay to kiss every woman in the audience yes. and and in front That's of his nice. wife? Not yes. only is it inappropriate, it's probably now that I've heard all this, a some kind of power move, like almost a manipulation yeah. tool to do it in front of her. Um, yeah. And it's inappropriate, and it's also just like germy as fuck. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I felt know. the exact same way. It's so gross. I mean, I guess it like plays in the whole, like Elvis giving the fans what they want. He knows what these yeah. women, like they love him. Like they want to be with him. And yeah. he's like, oh, here you go. I shall kiss you. <laughs> I shall go yeah. as far as humanly possible to make sure you get the full experience. Yeah. If you're yeah. like a huge Elvis fan at the time and you hear that happens, you're like, I'm getting oh, to a show and I'm, I'm getting, getting front yeah. row. <laughs> yeah. God, what an incentive, I'm next. Right? Yeah, right. I think it's um, interesting too. Like Parker's voiceover comes on at that point, and there's like a slow mo where like Priscilla's watching it, and you can tell Mm -hmm. she's irked by it. Um, That's when he's like, "She could never compete with the love he felt from you." That's another like fourth wall that he breaks. (laughs) Yeah, um, about the fans. But um, Danielle, why don't you go next? Okay. um, Why the flick? Are there so many freaking shots of the International Hotel? <laughs> it is so yeah. many shots of the International <laughs> Hotel. I'm just like, this is like the third, like we should have talked that in the cast and crew. I was like, it's everywhere. And we, it was like every direction is like upside down, this side, that side, the sign. It was a lot of a lot of shots. And I was just like, I guess they just had nothing else to show us. It's Vegas. You would think there would be more than that, but you know. Do, uh, is the International Hotel still around? Hmm. Was this a, like a like a sponsorship? <laughs> I'm yeah, also curious me. where it's like located because when we first see it, it looks like it's out in like the outskirts of Las Vegas, and I'm like, this is the hotel reject of Las Vegas. <laughs> well, and so I don't new, know. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know um, where Vegas is at this point. In, yeah, you know, in terms of it being um, um, built, built and how much it's growing, because uh, it is right. It's like in the middle of the desert, or it's out in the desert, whatever. Um, right. True. Uh, so I don't know. Interesting. Right. It has a different name, but I think it's still around. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. It says it was sold to Central Florida Investments or Westgate Resorts, which is the name that it operates under. Okay. 
Hmm. So it's called Westgate Resorts. But mm. yeah, I don't well. know if they paid for that spot, that spawn con, but it was a lot. It was a lot. So that's my um, only one. But oh, okay. So I this one to me, I didn't realize till after the fact. And as much as like they wanted to highlight all of the th- these things about Elvis in the movie, whether they be real or not real, I just want to know why to flick does the movie make no mention of a deep fried peanut butter and banana sandwich, oh, even oh, if yeah. he doesn't eat them, which I heard was like, it was a myth. He probably maybe didn't eat them, but like make that part of it then just be like, <laughs> Elvis say like, I, do I don't that. fucking eat that shit or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? that would have been great. It's kind yeah. of like um, he never says thank you very much. Like <laughs> they oh. keep they keep some of those like um, yeah. you know myths or better known things uh, kind mm. of out of the movie, which yeah, I think is probably a good move. Um, okay, why do flick are they covering the windows in foil? Just close the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. I didn't. I'm like, what's the like, purpose? We can tell that it's Elvis's room yeah. because of this aluminum foil. I'm like, but why? <laughs> yeah, they're basically putting a sign up, like, yeah, here. They didn't I want the aliens to get inside. Yeah, yeah. Foil Maybe. Tin foil I feel like there's got to be another explanation. I guess I have one more. Um, okay. okay, how to flick did Colonel Parker not know what Elvis had planned for the Christmas special? Like, doesn't he yeah. know everything about what Elvis is doing? Like, how was he so in the dark about like this grand plan that they had been creating for months and months and months? And he like, Elvis knew exactly what he was supposed to do when he got on set. I was just like, this is, yeah. does not seem real. He looks real, but, real dumb in a sequence. It's not a good look yeah. for the businessman Parker. Yeah. yeah. Low, low. He only cared about man. the sweater. Just, just yeah. the sweater, nothing else. Which I was Man. like, that was kind of one of my other ones. I was like, why do Flick is he obsessed with his sweater? This sweater. Yeah. But I think it was just because it was a sewing machine spawn. Oh, yeah. Kind of the sewing machine. That, that was like the sponsor of the sponsor. The oh, that's right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Now I, I want like it. a Colonel Parker inspired Christmas sweater. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like ugly Christmas sweater. No one will get the Could reference, you? but that's okay. I mean, <laughs> I love you it. Will. Do you, you want, will. Do you want Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker on a Christmas sweater? <laughs> That's I don't know. No. I want him as a snowman. I want Colonel. I want Colonel Tom oh, Parker. Yeah. Tom Hanks is Colonel Tom Parker as a snowman on the sweater. Yeah. Done. yeah. Something. Like Somebody that. make that for us, please. Yeah, that sounds Send complicated. <laughs> Photoshop it. Um. Okay. So my last why the flick is a how to flick, and I just wanted to know how to flick. Do you play the Elvis game? Did you all catch the board game that he shows up? Like, oh, yeah. I did look up how you play. Would you like to know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the game comes, this comes from, what site is this? Uh, I can't remember, but I will link it in the show notes. <laughs> the game comes with a game board, which has a blue side for boys and a pink side for girls. Ugh, don't like that already <laughs> off the bat. Um, each side has a popular Elvis song listed, songs listed. Mm-hmm. There are 110 question cards divided what? into, <laughs> wait, divided into 40 love and etiquette cards, 40 Elvis Presley question cards, 30 penalty cards, and 10 miniature records. Sounds complicated. (laughs) Yeah. The game requires you to spin a spinner, which determines what color card to choose for your question. And then you have to answer the question correctly. And then you get to move forward if you answer correctly, or you have to move backward if you answer incorrectly. Um, And if you do miss the question, you incur a penalty. And some of the penalties are walk like Marilyn Monroe, 
or how it, you have to answer questions like, how would how you cheat you in an exam? <laughs> Oh my God. Um, and ultimately the, you wind up, uh, at different areas of the board. There's like up a section called getting to know you, then learning to like you, then let's go study. And then finally get the preacher and players wind up pairing up depending on when they finish the board. So I guess it's a dating game. Wow. I don't like this. Oh, wow. Someone really put a lot of thought into it though. I do get yeah. that. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's very unique. I have never heard of a game like this in my entire life. So it's like, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go on. Um, what's the, it's like matchmaking game or what's the, um, game show Mm -hmm. where it's like, you have to, the, you have to answer the question that the other person might answer. Uh I can't. And there's like a wall between newlywed newlywed. Oh, Oh. okay. Okay. That one. No, I was saying something else. Um, (laughs) what popped in my mind, uh, my dad had growing up and actually now still has one. Um, it's a football game and it's this like platform and it plugs into the wall and you make it vibrate and your little football men like vibrate across the field. Oh. So I was thinking of that because like you can make all this vibrate, like gyrate. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so this sounds like a yeah. kind of trademark. For, trademark. For trademark. Yes, trademark. <laughs> um, hmm. Okay. Uh, my last deflick moments. Um, I don't know how to word it, but, um, basically what deflict dad, you are the worst business manager <laughs> slash why deflict did we put Elvis's dad in charge of finances? I mean, I think obviously Parker did it because then he could control him. Yeah. Um, but why, I mean, Elvis, he's, you know, we, they mentioned a few times that he's careless with his money. He buys way too much, but like, why isn't he asking any questions of his father or, or, you know, making sure he's good, <laughs> making sure he knows what he's doing. He, uh, he just gives so much control yeah, and trust so much that Parker is taking care of him and taking care of things. Uh, it's just dumb. <laughs> just naive. a bad, bad move. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. Like Vernon was just like, Oh, oh I'm the business manager. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was kind of to get him on board with it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I saw maybe somewhere that like Parker does Parker kind of grooms Elvis and grooms, uh, his family. Oh yeah. As well. I think his mom was possibly the only one who was never fully, um, right. Like sold on Parker. Yeah. yeah that's true. She did question him mm-hmm. like, yeah. kind of around when she died. So, hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, that's well, it. That's all the flicks. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So now we can move into how many flicks do we give? But before that, I just wanted to, I don't know, ask you all the listeners, you, I'm breaking the fourth wall, the <laughs> listener, please. Um, if you like listening to this podcast, go subscribe, rate and review us. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, um, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you need a writing prompt for your review, you can tell us what your favorite Elvis song is and plug that in there. Then we'll, we would love to read them. Um, you can also follow us on our social media channels. We are at why the flick on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where we post all of our movie reviews for you to see. And I keep always meaning to mention this and I keep forgetting, but we create exclusive content for social. So that's another incentive to go follow us because that you won't find it here in this episode. So you have to go check us out on social. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
how many flicks do we give? I will set the scene for you guys. So on IMDb, the rating is a 7.5 out of 10, which is pretty good. For Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a 78, wait, yeah, a 78%. I almost thought I mixed those up, but I didn't. And the audience gives it a 94%, which is very high. Yeah, um, that Danielle. Let me start with you. What do you give this movie? Okay. I don't really know how you like your scale. So I don't really, you know. Okay. So one. Oh, okay. One, (laughs) one worst. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One to five. One is bad. Five is great. The greatest thing you've ever seen. And you can do decimal points. So like 2.5, 3.5, whatever. I give it a solid four flicks. Okay. Because I really like it, but it's not like the most the bestest movie ever the bestest <laughs> yeah I can go next Claire yeah um yeah. so I also landed on four out of five really with a whole point deduction just for Tom Hanks <laughs> um part of me now wants to like go to like a three now that I'm enlightened just on for Priscilla. bad Elvis yeah yeah bad. um I'll I'll stick with 4.5 um you know rating the movie without um some of that knowledge. Um, but it, it made me see Elvis and his legacy in a new way. And now I've seen it in yet another new way. Um, <laughs> oh, um, I, but if, yeah, um, it, the movie humanizes him. I think that's what it set out to do. Uh, I think it was successful in that way. I did think it uh, nicely paid homage to the musical influences and originators. Um, the Doja Cat Vegas example, like building up that hound dog, um, yeah, was really um, was really smart and just making that connection to like you know those influences are still here today. Um, and then I, I just really like Baz Luhrmann and I like his his style. So um, four point five, or I'm sorry, four out of five. Wow, you gave a really good explanation. I know. <laughs> I was just like, mm, it's four. good. <laughs> So I feel like I said my, gave my thoughts. Yeah. 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 I, so I had mine as a tentative cause I was going to see how I felt at the end of this episode. Uh, I like burn it all. My mind ground. has not, <laughs> <laughs> my mind has not changed. Um, and like Liza said, now I feel like I want to lower mine, but I won't. Um, so I'm going to give it a 3.5. I feel like it's, I love that it's Baz Luhrmann, even though it is overstuffed with a lot and there's so much to follow like you talked to Elizabeth about how like everything everywhere all at once is kind of a similar theme as far as sensory overload but for whatever reason I can follow that more than I could follow this necessarily um it just was like a lot for me to consume as someone who doesn't really know that much about Elvis and a lot for me like I just never had a moment to process what I was seeing mm-hmm. yeah. until it was like already passed and I was like okay we're moving on <laughs> so um that part of it like hampered it a little bit for me and then you know but and then obviously like the Tom Hanks of it all was just like so jarring that it's hard to like get that out of your eyes yeah. I, <laughs> visually <laughs> can't, unsee um, it. can't unsee it but I do have to give credit to like Austin Butler for doing such yeah. a like remarkable yeah. performance in this role and for better or for worse like I do love um Baz Luhrmann as you know a creative choice I feel like there were a lot of really nice creative decisions that were made with this movie um so yeah 3.5 from nice. me 
cool okay well danielle thank you so so much for coming on our podcast and talking about elvis we had such a blast is there anything you would like to plug yeah so as we mentioned at the top i am a podcaster myself my podcast is a little less it's a little lower brow than this podcast i believe but it is a top model rewind recap podcast so uh, we are recapping every single season from cycle one to cycle 24. Uh, we are on season 11 currently. We've been doing wow. it for about like, I don't know, two-ish years maybe, or I don't even, I've lost track of time, but we, we've been doing it for <laughs> a really long time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I recap with my friend. So if you like top model or if you just, if you don't, but you really like me on this podcast, you can hear more <laughs> yeah. of me there. Um, we kind of examine it, like we're critical of it, but we also love it at the same time. And we think Tyra is insane and, like, uh, it's, a it's hopefully a fun listen. So, um, yeah, that's top model rewind again, or we are on Instagram at top model rewind. And, um, I don't post as much as I used to, but we do post like polls from the show. So if you like voting on things, um, you can vote on the photos of the, the models, which is fun. So, Yeah. Yeah. And we can link to it in our show notes too. So you guys can find it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be great. Thanks. I was going to call back to everything everywhere all at once again, because we talked about the Daniels directors believe very much that there is value in lowbrow and highbrow and that they yes. can, co- that they can mm-hmm. coexist and, and play yeah. with each other. So yeah, yeah we do sometimes get really like media criticism me about it or at least yeah. I feel like I do like I get really in depth on things like if you want that listen to our Tyra that episode where Tyra is like be quiet Tiffany we go like yeah. really really in depth on it so that's a good yeah. one it's called Tyra's meltdown cycle four mm. <laughs> I was gonna say even though like you say it's lowbrow like you guys your conversation makes it highbrow so you blend it very well Thanks. <laughs> this was so fun. I had Yay! a great, great time. So me too. thanks for inviting me. Sorry it's so long, everybody. Sorry. It's all <laughs> it's good as long as the movie. <laughs> yeah, true. Not <laughs> that's yet, true. Yeah. yeah, that's an accomplishment. Like on I'm gonna keep on talking. No, 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 no. On our podcast, we recap <gasps> an hour, an hour-long episode, and we make it like an hour and a half episode podcast recap of it. Yeah. So you can go the opposite way. Right. <laughs> like we do. Mm-hmm. So good on you guys keep me a shorter well should i reveal our next episode yes i'm very excited i'm excited what is it a lot of hands (laughs) okay so i mentioned i i don't know an episode or two ago that i've had a hankering for ethan hawk i've i've been craving uh some more ethan hawk in my life um i've always adored him uh i think he's a more interesting version of uh, America's sweetheart. So I decided to do one of his classics before sunrise uh, with Ethan Hawke and Julie Depley and directed by Richard Linklater. Um, it's one of my favorite movies and I'm super excited to, to talk about it. Have you seen it before, Claire? I know nothing about this ah, movie. I don't yeah, know. So oh my gosh, going yes. into it blind. Yeah, it's actually, and it's part of a uh, trilogy before sunrise, before sunset mm. and after midnight. Oh, I think wow. I have heard of that. That I sounds heard of it. oddly yes. familiar, but I've not seen this. So. I've seen Breaking Yay. Dawn, but not. <laughs> it's um, it's like that, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. just not, <laughs> okay, not at all. But yeah, that's that's our next flick. So a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, sorry, look it up. <laughs> Must that's be good. Amazing. It's yeah, oh, it's damn. a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. 
All right, guys. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.